Uh, welcome to part three and the final part of our beginner's guide to stardom. If you're listening on the podcast version, we haven't been gone long. If you're listening on the YouTube version, God knows what's happening with that. You poor souls are dealing with a lot. Um, as a final part, obviously following up our introduction where, you know, part one, we gave you an overview of how to get into stardom, how to watch it, what to watch. Part two, we discussed the championships and the tournaments in stardom, you know, the stuff that makes up the, the crux of the year. And there's no better place to finish than by talking about the factions in stardom because the factions, everybody's in a faction. Your faction alignment is very important. And factions are pretty much how they tell stories a lot of the time. So they're very important to get across. And by talking about those, we will be able to introduce you to the key members of the roster as well. So uh, this should be good. Let's get into it. Yeah, totally. Um, should we start with the people who do not have factions? Because it's only like three or four people as far as I Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, the debuting rookies, the people who debuted just a few weeks ago, don't have factions as of yet. So that is currently Aya Sakura and Hanako. And in future, it will be um, Komomo Minami. I believe it's her yeah. name. Um, there's a few other people who like bounce around stardom, but they're generally aligned with something. You know, like uh, I guess Kyrie is the only exception, but even then, she's like kind of aligned with Nanai. Same with the uh, Unimon. She kind of just slots yeah. in wherever they really need her. Like I think last week she was tagging with Tam, but she usually is a part of Seven Up. So yeah, uh, those are the main two that are. Not rookies, but don't have a structured faction alignment necessarily. Um, especially Kyrie. I think Unimon is closer. Unimizanor Mori is closer to the seven up than anything. So yeah. Yeah, there's there's some uh, you know the, the part timers do make it a bit difficult because they float in and out, but a lot of them are usually aligned with something. Kyrie is is literally the only exception in that they just kind of let her do whatever. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, most people, I don't think we have to introduce anybody to Kyrie. I feel like everybody knows Kyrie at this stage, you know, the former Kyrie Sane, former Kyrie Hojo, a uh, pretty important figure in, in stardom history. Um, the best place to start as far as factions go to me is stars, you know, the stardom army. It, it just makes sense. Um, so they are the prototypical good guys of stardom. They're very much, we are all, you know, we are all right and true. We don't bend the rules. We play by the rules. We fight our hardest to represent stardom. Uh, you know, they feuded with the weight of tie for a long time because the weight of tie were the bad guys and stars are the good guys. And that's pretty much it. They are very, very much always on the side of good. They're kind of like your home army. You know, in most promotions, they would have a home army of some sorts. But, you know, stardom just gave them a name which is, is stars and um i i think it's fair to say they're they're kind of goofy they are little all they're all like half-brained goofballs in the nicest way possible like mayu iwatani is the leader and they all follow the leader in that mayu you know character wise i don't think you could trust her to stand alone for ten, more than 10 minutes without getting lost and um sometimes you wonder if if the rest of the faction could even help find her if, if she did get lost yeah, um, I think Hazuki might be like the only 
admission to that, but at the same time, I think that she kind of is that still, even though she has like a, a different character side of her. Um, but yeah, I think Stars Stars used to literally be called the Stardom Army um, mm-hmm. when the factions were a bit looser, and they would just be where every wrestler defaults to. Um, but at some point, Mayu and the former Stars member Tam Nakano created Stars specifically uh, to be the good guy unit so it, it is like a sekigun but and it was originally a sekigun but it sort of became its own thing where they're just like they're just the good guys and yeah they don't win a lot relatively you know for for what you might expect for the uh, sekigun type of of group they don't really get a lot of wins except for you know a certain combinations of them hazuki and koguma are former tag team champions and hazuki and mayu are you know the top two members of the group but otherwise they they do take a lot of losses because of their bottom three wrestlers uh saya ida hanan and momokogo who are all really good in their own right but they usually take the fall in a lot of matches in the company so yeah yeah it's it's oh it's quite a a weird faction in that the top layer is almost always really good but because they're so, you know, accepting of these rookies, they take on a lot of people who just end up losing a lot. Um, but the obvious exceptions to that are people like Mayu Watani. And uh, this this is Mayu's faction. She is the clear leader of stars. And in stardom, being a faction leader is pretty much their biggest way of saying you're a main eventer. Like, you don't get that spot unless they see you as somebody really important a way to tie a side um but in stars <laughs> it's very much this is mayu's group she is the most important wrestler she is the big one um and obviously i mean mayu is another one who probably needs no introduction to a lot of people she's you know one of the freedom most people know of the freedom they know of eo mayu and and, and kairi um she's the icon of stardom and that's not just branding she is very much the the beating heart of stardom like i can't imagine what this place would be like without her like, if there was ever a show or a stretch of shows where she was gone, it just wouldn't feel the same. And, you know, she's somebody who I, I feel like at the moment they don't use to her level, but that's because they always know they can go back to her whenever they need. Like, Mayu is always there to do whatever they need. So there will be a lot of times where she isn't really doing anything. And then they'll go, oh, here you are. You're in, like, the main event of a big arena show because she has that, like, flexibility. Yeah, I don't quite remember if I mentioned it on the uh, titles and tournaments episode, but Mayu Otani is the only wrestler to win um, every single championship outside of the future championship because she's never eligible for it, um, and the IWGP championship, which she'll, she's challenging for. Um, she's challenging Mercedes Monet pretty soon, or before if you're watching this later, and she's won every single tournament, uh, except for the Triangle Derby, which was just introduced. So she really is like that girl who's done everything in the company and she's done it seven times over basically uh she is probably the most important figure in stardom history because she just is that synonymous with the company so yeah to some degree they they keep her group kind of in her image where it's like you know underdogs who are trying their best and you know at one point you will probably see them overcome the odds right but in 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 all, Mayu is the focal point of this, and she is the one who will get the wins if the group does win. 
and she is not the ones who will get the losses if they lose. Yeah, definitely. Like they they protect her pretty heavily. Um, underneath Mayu is a clear like number two three scenario where we have Hazuki and Koguma, and um, they are both originally trained in Stardom like a long time ago, but Koguma retired for a long time and only came back. I think it was last year. Um, two years ago. Two years ago now. Like she was, she just like was gone. Nobody thought of her. She retired so quickly that she barely made an impression on the the current audience and then she just shows back up at a corican and we're all like holy shit this this woman is great um and she's like the clear she's the third one of the top three like most groups will have a top three and she's the third one um she can she's like kind the glue of... of the group though i would say she she really yeah. like is she's vi- go on well, she's another one who can do anything. Like she can be yeah. in the tags with with uh, Hazuki to do FWC. She can be realistically be in any trio team. She can beat anyone because she has that high speed prowess. She can be in the high speed division. Like she offers that versatility to you know take pins every now and then. But also she can kind of beat anyone. Whereas with two above her, it's a little bit more rigid. Whereas with Koguma, you have that flexibility to go. Okay, well. We need you to take a pin because we don't want Hazuki or Mayu to lose. Uh, but also, we might have you pin Julia just just because, you know. Um, and she's, you know, she's been a great readdition to Stardom. She's uh, she's kind of a comedic character now more than she was when she came back. She does the bear pose because uh, I think Ko- is a Kuma. Kuma is bear, Kuma is, and yeah. she is Koguma. So she does the bear pose and makes people annoyed, or they play along. She has with, heat with Tom Lawler. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Tom Lombard hates he hates the the bear dance because um, he hates fun. Um, Notorious MMA fighter has beef with Koguma. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. This dude is beefing with a bear. It's it's great. Um, so yeah, Koguma is the number three, and uh, she's been a welcome re-addition to Stardom. And above her is Hazuki. And uh, as I said, Hazuki was also trained a long time ago. She disappeared once, came back as a founding member of Queen's Quest alongside Yoshirai as a HZK, which was, you know, Hazuki. Um, she then went to Uedo Tai, was being primed for the top spot of Uedo Tai. Like, her 2019, she was in so many big matches, and it felt like it was just a matter of time before they were going to put her over the over the hump and, like, really let her go and, and lead Uedo Tai. But she retired pretty suddenly in December of 2019. And then just as suddenly... On, like, day eight of the five-star Grand Prix, in the middle of nowhere, she shows back up. 2021. 2021, she shows back up, and she's like, yo, Mayu, you and these homegrowns will let all these outsiders rule the company. What the hell is happening? And she's she's back. She was just back. So, um, how's it return. We So, me and Alex have been covering this company and have been very in, in the weeds of this company for a long time. Her return still makes no sense to me, um, mm-hmm. like just like the the actual contents of it, because she came back, like challenged Mayu, and then like two months later, Koguma was like, "Oh, you're my friend. You should join Stars." And she's like, "Okay." And that just it was just never kind of resolved, which is really funny. But so she's here now, and everybody's cool. But go on, Alex. Yeah, so she's she's a pretty elite tier wrestler. Like she's she's really good. Uh, they clearly had plans to push her before she retired, and it's kind of a case now where we're all waiting for that moment where she gets the the ability to do something. And I don't know if that's in Stars or that's away from Stars. Like, when she first came back, we thought she'd get her own faction. 
but she very quickly slipped in at that number two spot for stars um and it's it's been good for her like she's she's a very good baby face and they protect her quite well and she's obviously been allowed to do fwc with with koguma um but with Hazuki, it's like you're a clear number two but somebody who could be a leader of their own faction like you've got that charisma you've got that talent you know you could be something it's just a case of will they do it considering she's left twice now before you know yeah um hazuki was one of my favorite wrestlers she is she has returned to that slot so my favorite wrestlers one of the most consistent wrestlers in the company as well uh if you saw her match with azumi and mercedes monet it was really really good uh because she is really really good she also helped train saida her faction mate so that's another tie she has to the group and yeah with with fwc <clears throat> excuse me with oh that made it worse jesus <laughs> cut it out oh cut this out i need to i need to sit it, it's it's it would Jesus happen Christ. as as you get to discuss Hazuki. like as you as, i know this sucks because it's one of my favorite wrestlers like yes. of all time this um, is your area with of FWC, expertise <laughs> with, with, with fwc especially with koguma especially uh if you start watching around you know 2018 2019 2020 like i did or even 2021 the first half she was kind of just a statistic right because earlier on in her career she did a lot of big things right she was the youngest high-speed champion of all time she was the first cinderella finalist against mayu utani uh she was very prominent for her young age when she first wrestled so when she came back it was like oh this girl's like really putting you know putting the money where her mouth is type of thing and she really excelled same with azuki but her break was a little bit shorter so she just kind of like got back to where she was and yeah she now that, I, now that I look at it, I think she's way better in that second spot than I initially thought she would be mm-hmm. because she is a phenomenal number two. She helps train uh, certain wrestlers, uh, the Japanese celebrity Fuwa-chan. She has trained her to wrestle every once in a while, and that is a big you know, feather in her cap. Like I said, she trained Saida. So she's a very central figure in stardom, even if she isn't at the top of the card all the time. Yeah, she she's definitely one of those who is is behind the scenes quite important with with her role in like training people and then bringing them along. Um, but even on screen, there there's clearly something there that they just haven't gone through with yet because, you know, as as I said, she was primed for big things and left. And chances are you're gonna go, okay, well I'm not gonna trust you again for a little while. Um, but she seems to be here and enjoying it this time around, so she seems to be here to stay. Um, Underneath the big three, and this is something that is only kind of applicable to stars, you have a, a pretty much an ace in waiting in Hanan. Uh, Hanan yeah. has been with stardom since she was a child. Uh, she's been aligned with Mayu for as long as I can remember. Like, she's been... Pre- you know, she... I Sorry to interrupt. I right. believe she just celebrated her sixth anniversary of in-ring, and mm-hmm. I think she said she's been training for eight or nine years now so to, to put that into perspective she is she just turned 18 she's 19 18 19 something like that she has been wrestling since she was like 10 years old which is and she's really good so yeah she's been aligned with mayu because it's been pretty obvious that she's you know the next big baby face star you know like the homegrown baby face top star um and she's she's got a judo background 
and they've been pretty patient with her but they've already put in a lot of effort to to make her look good like she got a future of stardom title run that really helped reinvent the belt she was she won the belt at like sumo hall in the opener like you don't you don't get that spot unless they really like you she was allowed to show out in, a, in an artist of stardom title match where her hannah or her hazaki and koguma all challenged like they've they've laid the groundworks with with hanan to where she's almost in protected like she's in the top three but she's kind of just outside because she's still so young and she's just coming off a big push that they're kind of like okay we're gonna we're gonna mail you out but um she's probably the only like this is probably the only faction where you could say the fourth wrestler from the top is like heavily protected and destined for great things because you know eventually she's going to take the well the most people presume she's going to take the faction over from mayu eventually um because that just seems like a pretty natural spot for somebody like her yeah um it's it's either her or starlight kid who isn't even in the faction right now so th- mm-hmm. those are the kind of the two that feel primed for mayu's role uh if mayu you know is it is, either takes a backseat role at some point or she she retires inevitably so yeah that that's kind of where hanan is she's a great talent she has incredible potential uh at her at her age and she's just you know a really good talent that everybody should keep their eye on even though she she does take plenty of losses like she isn't winning anything right now but you know she showed out in the five star last year she's really had a like over, I would say over the past like year and a half, like since the beginning of 2022, she's really show stepped up, right, and, mm-hmm. and showed what she can do, uh, despite being a a young wrestler. She just graduated high school, uh, last month, so she's definitely on her way up, but it's gonna take some time. But you know, keep an eye on her. Yeah, future like future world champion without doubt oh, there in Hanan. Um, and underneath Hanan, you kind of have two people who are on a very similar level. It's Momokogo and Saya Ida. Um, Momokogo, they signed from Actress Girls or when they kind of changed and said they were going to stop being a wrestling company, but then stayed being a wrestling company anyway after all their roster left. Um, but Momokogo made the jump around that time. And Saya Ida is a homegrown. She's part of the... Well, people call it the golden generation, but as far as like actual stardom trainees, she's one of the stretch of like three or four that were the Kagetsu era of, of training where they were just pumping out these incredible rookies. Uh, Saida was one of them. And unlike other uh, rookies of that era, she hasn't exactly been pushed all that much. She's quite small. So that does work against her. She's a fantastic seller, which I think also works against her because you're like, well, why would I push you when I can have you get the crap kicked out of you and make other people look good? So yeah, someone someone like Mirai, who we'll talk about later, uh, gets their best matches against Saida because Saida is just made to take Mirai's punishment, mm-hmm. and because of that, Ida's never beaten Mirai, <laughs> yeah. uh, despite how often they wrestle each other. So it, it is one of those cases where she's almost too good at certain aspects of the game uh, to be p- pushed strongly in other aspects. Yeah, and, and she's somebody who I'm pretty sure when she debuted, uh, it was either her or Rossi said, uh, like, she's like Tomohiro Ishii. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of very applicable to her spot because she will have... 
you know, she will show out. She will give 150% in every match. She hits hard. She gets hit harder. But because of her stature, she's never likely to get that big push, you know. Uh, and Ida has had some success. They did give her the future of Stardom title, but she got injured and that kind of completely threw off their flow. And ever since she came back, she's just been taking pins. So very much in the bottom tier of, of this faction as far as, you know, protection goes. But she's somebody who is very reliable for the roster because she will bring the best out of pretty much everybody. Yeah, on her best day, she's she's up there with, like, anybody else in the roster. She's really good um, at what she does. It, it definitely is a shame for me, someone who's a really big Saida fan, uh, to see her take so many pins. But, you know, she's it, she's kind of in that slot for right now. Uh, doesn't have a ton of upward trajectory as of right now. Um, but, you know, she's a beloved member of STARS, and she is great in tag teams, whether it's with Mayu or Hanan or Hazuki. I would say those are the three that she mainly tags with. Um, but she tags with everybody in the group, and she always brings the best out of them. So, yeah, shout out to Ida. And then uh, Momokogo is very much just, uh, she's just there to take pins. Um She's she's kind of charismatic, and you could see a world in where she's pushed, but uh, reportedly she's 37, so chances are they're just never... Yeah, 38 by now, and they, you know they're just never going to be interested in pushing somebody like that. So um, she's very she's very much lately has been in that Ida tier of she doesn't do a lot, and she gets pinned. Um, I think as of I, right now, she's on like a 25-match lose streak. That's um, crazy. Which is... Which is very hard when you're in tag team matches most of the time. Like it's one mm-hmm. thing to lose a bunch as a singles wrestler, but when you're tagging with Azuki and Mayu, and you still find a way to lose, it's it's kind of telling of where you're at in the card. She had a great high speed championship match against Azumi last year. That kind of made me think, oh, maybe she'll have a, a lane to go in uh, if they ever do want to give her a little bit of shine and have her, you know, go for the high speed belt. But yeah, I, as of right now, it doesn't look like she's going to move up in any way anytime soon because she is firmly the the la- in last place of stars and stars is in terms of uh protection they lose quite a lot yeah. <laughs> so she's probably at the bottom of the roster as of right now outside of the two uh newest introductions from a couple weeks ago yeah um so to round up stars are the lovable losers they're very colorful they are goofballs um if that sounds like your thing then you will end up being a big stars fan uh, most people will attach to one faction eventually. Like I, you know, I've bought Donna Del Mondo stuff because I really like Donna Del Mondo. I think their vibe is cool. Uh, but other people will really be attached to stars. And that's one of the fun things about stardom uh, with the factions being so prominent. You can all, you can generally like align with one and be super into them. Um, so, you know, if stars sounds like your jam, then have fun suffering like Dylan is. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, after that, I think we should go on to the other uh, kind of long-term old-school faction in Queen's Quest. So Queen's Quest... Well, there's three, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so Queen's <laughs> Quest has a direct lineage back to Io Shirai. Uh, she set it up when she turned on Mayu Iwatani a long time ago. I think it was back in 2016, 2015 or 16. Um, she, One of those two. Yeah, she turned on Mayu and formed Queen's Quest, which was... It was the winner's group. It was essentially, we take this seriously. We're the best wrestlers we win and for a long time that is what they did when i first started watching stardom every show without fail 
would have Momo Watanabe hitting the B driver and winning for months on end. Momo Watanabe, who took the group over from, from Io Shirai when she went to WWE, Momo just continued that, I am winning, I am unstoppable, you cannot touch me, we are Queen's Quest, we are excellence. Um, and Queen's Quest is one that's kind of lost their way since the shift when, when Bushiroad took over. They still are pretty strong, like they're pretty much one of the top factions still, but the of we are all elite wrestlers has kind of faded a little bit because now they have like Miyu Amasaki, they have Lady C, they have Hina who are very clearly there to lose but people like that weren't in the group years ago like their worst memory yeah, they, they is Azumi, have... who was in the mid card still yeah. like they had a child who was still pushed and protected to a degree who was essentially their their worst in air quotes worst member whereas now it's kind of different um, but they do still carry that air of we aim to be the best. Like Tamihai Shishta is their leader. Um, I, I won't run down the faction. I'll let you kind of describe Queen's Quest first. But uh, they do still have a lot of serial winners in the group. It just isn't as strong of an identity as it used to be. Yeah, I think the thing that Queen's Quest has suffered from more than anything is the, uh, the increase of factions just in the company. Mm-hmm. Because back in the day, there was, as as I said, when Stars became the Stardom Army, or when the Stardom Army became Stars, rather, uh, that was kind of when the faction wars really began, because then there was Stars, Queen's Quest, Oedo Tai, and Jungle Assault Nation, who which turned into uh, TCS a little bit later on. Uh, that's a bit more history stuff that we can talk about in our time if we want. But Queen's Quest really thrived because they had a very specific lane out of those four right when there was four Mm -hmm. factions they had this lane that was okay you know stars is the good guys uh you know jungle salt nation slash tcs is like the kind of good guys but like the weird good guys oedo ties the bad guys queen's quest was like the ultimate tweener group where they would just beat anyone because they were better than everyone and that was it uh kind of like alex said but since you know don domando came around and since just there's just been more factions, you know, Cosmic Angels came around, God's Eye came around. It's really become like Queen's Quest has given away pieces of their identity to different groups, and they're left with very little, right? Uh, I, I guess the clearest identity right now is they're the only group that is purely made up of homegrown wrestlers, uh, because all six of them were trained in the Stardom Dojo, even mm-hmm. though uh, Kamatani was technically trained by Onita briefly, besides the point. Um, <laughs> they they all are homegrown wrestlers they all have that they they often talk about wanting to restore the the stardom you know every time they are they challenge for the artist belts they will say oh we are trying to bring it back to stardom homegrowns so that's kind of their identity right now but they've definitely lost a bit of their way in terms of what they used to be when they were this regal we are better than literally everyone mm-hmm. and we will just win all the matches to prove it uh, but they still have great wrestlers in them so you know, yeah they're it, still very it, cool it, like there's a lot about yeah. queen's quest that still it jumps off the page like the robes i think the robes are awesome the flag always makes them look badass like uh queen's quest still has some elements of that identity where they still stand out and like their top three are essentially still contenders for the best trio in the company um so i mean and and one other thing, uh, I apologize for interrupting. Right. I'm pretty sure that the top three 
uh, white belt championship reigns, uh, except for Aikawa's. So three of the four top championship reigns of the white belt are all held by wrestlers who held the belt during their time in Queen's Quest. Yeah. So historically, including right now, Saya Kamatani, historically they have incredibly long title reigns and they're incredibly, you know, uh, the, the top of the group is the top of the company, but they've kind of been weighed down by the, the undercarters in recent times. Yes. And to get on to the leader, uh, we have the clear leader. She won a four-way match recently or a five-way match to, to actually like uh, get the leadership. We have Utami Hayashishta. And uh, I know a lot of people will know Utami Hayashishta from the five-and-a-half-star match with Siri. Um, she came into this company like Supernova. She debuted about a month before I started watching. And by the time I was three months in as a fan, she had about five belts. And I'm not exaggerating. Yeah. She... Uh, like I think it was like a month after her debut, she made it to the final of the Five Star Grand Prix. That yes. is the equivalent of New Japan debuting a, a young lion or a guy coming back from excursion and making it to the G1 final a month later. Like she blew out the gates. Um, they saw a lot in her from very early on. She is the daughter of a guy who was known for TV. I think he had a reality show about his family or something. I, I'm not so uh, sure. So he's, she is the, she is a daughter in a family of, I want to say 13. Um, yeah. So she has 12 siblings, I believe, mm -hmm. maybe more. Uh, and they had a reality show about them for a while. And in fact, it's, it's a funny story. The reason why she didn't debut until she was 20 was because she there, there's a tradition in her family that whoever is the uh, eldest of three siblings, they pay for the next one's schooling. Uh, so Utami had to work as like a, a waitress um, or a hostess for a couple years before she could actually try out to be a wrestler because she had to pay for her younger siblings schooling. And so, yeah, she has a big family. That was kind of like a, a thing. She was actually the most shy of her family. Uh, when she was younger, and now she is, you know, the most charismatic wrestler in the company. <laughs> yeah, so she came into the company with a head of steam, like, as a well-known person because of that TV show. Uh, within, like, the first year, she had won the tag belts, she had the future belt, she won the EVE International belt, she won the SWA belt, and I think there was an artist reign in there as well. So at one point... She won the tag league three months yes. in as well like at one point she held five belts at once and that's not an exaggeration that's a legitimate stat she at one point had five belts at once within a year of debuting like they very much from day one had her pegged as future top star um and that was kind of sped up because of what happened in 2020 and i don't want to dive into it too much for people but in 2020 stardom lost a lot uh, they had Arisa Hoshiki, had to retire suddenly due to injury. Uh, Kagetsu retired. Hazuki had suddenly retired at the tail end of 2019. Uh, most people will obviously know what happened with Hana Kimura. And that left a huge gap at the top of the card for stardom because, you know, Arisa and Hana were meant to be two of their top four. Like, they were meant to be two of the people who would lead the way yeah. into the future. So without them, uh, Utami was fast-tracked. In the midst of COVID... She won the five-star Grand Prix just two years after her debut. She beat Mayu to win the World of Stardom title. She went on to hold that for over a year before dropping it to Siri. So they very much established her as like a franchise player. 
uh a lot of her like early push was akin to like okada at certain points like she very much like reminded us of him of like i am this company like i am better than the old ace i'm having the best matches i am the world champion this is my company i am the future i am the now um and she fills the role i mean it's taken her a long time but she's really found herself like she is so just easily charismatic and she's really cool and every time she does anything people are like i want to be her like that's how cool she is so like they've got a a long-term franchise player in in utami and it's something that they've built up from day one like they didn't stumble into this they they made this and it worked yeah utami is someone that i consider uh a potential greatest wrestler of all time if she stays consistent over the next five to ten years because she just she's a few years in and she already has that resume right she's really good she is going to continue to get better she has consistently improved um, over the years as of now since her reign as champion ended in late 2021 she hasn't done much uh but every every second half of the year when she is in the five star and she is in the tag league she consistently performs and she consistently shows out in in each of those tournaments and she's just really really good uh like she like you said the leader of queen's quest just Everything she does, people eat up, right? Mm-hmm. She, you put her in a dress, people die over it. You put her in a suit, people die over it. You know, you put her in the ring, people die over it. She's just, she's that, she's that guy, right? She's mm-hmm. just that guy. That's just, that's all you can say about her. Yeah, that's it. She's effortlessly cool, you know, like yeah. nobody can touch her. That's her. That's her catchphrase that she's, she's, um, effortless, effortlessly royal, beautiful, and cool, or something like that. Amazing. It translates weirdly. But yeah. yeah. Um. So that that's Utami, clear faction leader. Uh, her number two is somebody called Saya Kamatani. Uh, Saya was also part of that stretch that gave us Utami and Ida. Um, she came from the Stardom Idols project. So she was originally uh trying to be a dancer. I think she was. She tried out for like AKB48 or something. And yeah. I think she passed, but only to be a reserve. There was something weird there. Like she yes. passed, but didn't fully pass. So she was a high she level. She was in dancer. it, but she wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. So she was a high level idol before uh, coming into wrestling. And when she fell into wrestling, they made it very clear that they liked her. She was winning matches within like two months of debuting, which. Before she should have been winning matches. I'm going to be yes. real. Yes. <laughs> like it was about a month into her run, and she pinned uh, Andras Miyagi. In a, in a tag league match and i remember going oh she's the one like they like her um and uh, yeah they were very quick about her rise it wasn't as in your face as utami's but they very much fast-tracked saya and she won the, the cinderella tournament in 2021 yeah. and at the end of that year she beat tam nakano to win the world the wonder of stardom title a belt that she still holds She's been holding that belt since December of 2021. She's defended it like 14 times, which is a record. And 14 or 15, yeah. In that time, she's had amazing matches. She, I've compared her 2022 a lot to Manama Toyota in that AJW gave Manama Toyota the junior belt, I think, in like 90, 1990 and said, go out there and have cool matches and get over. And she did. 
And Saya Kamatani kind of did the same thing with the Wonder Belt, where they said, okay, you go out there and have the best matches you can. And she did. And she staked her claim as one of the best wrestlers in stardom throughout the year. Um, and Saya does this like dazzling stuff. She does a Phoenix Splash. And to my knowledge, she's the only Joshi wrestler to have ever done a Phoenix Splash. Um, maybe maybe Asari right, did it. I don't know. Um, but she does like mind-blowing athleticism that joshi doesn't often see and that's kind of her selling point so you know not only is she an idol so she is obviously very good at like portraying herself as a star but she is also incredibly athletic and they've let her run with that and let her have these cool matches which got her over with everybody yeah so the 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 thing about saya kamatani is that early on she was kind of the other Saya, right? Which is very mm-hmm. interesting to look at now because Saya Ida uh, debuted first and she was harder hitting and she was kind of quicker to get to her spot than Kamatani was in terms of like uh, Saya Kamatani had some time where she just was not progressing but they wanted her to progress uh, and then eventually she just like kind of broke that hurdle and just, you know, became a supernova type of thing. And one thing about her is after she kind of moved out of Utami's shadow, because I think that was her initial push was as the goddess champion alongside Utami. Mm-hmm. When she kind of like got into that singles role, she you really noticed every match she was adding new moves to her repertoire. And it was noticeable, right? She just randomly started doing a chaos theory, which is the roll through German suplex. Just on a random show, she just decided to start doing that. And it was one of the coolest moves on the show. And she does that a lot. Uh, I believe she was one of the first people in a long time to do a no-hand tope kanhilo uh, in Joshi. Like, she just she just pulled that out one day and started yeah. doing it. Um, and yeah, she's had some of the best matches of this year and last year. I think her versus Suzuki is still one of my favorite matches from this year already. And her versus Natsupoi last year was one of the best matches of last year. Like, she's just... She's a machine, right? Mm-hmm. She's just incredible. Um like you said, record-breaking title reign because she's just on that level. Uh, yeah, she's she's really good. She had a bit of a of a misstep because she injured Mina Shirakawa with the Phoenix Splash uh, last year, and she stopped using it. But it appears that she will begin using it again um, this coming month or two. So she's kind of getting back to the you know <laughs> fearlessness that she had before she accidentally injured someone because it kind of Gave her a little bit of pause uh, around her moveset, but she's really picked it back up in the past couple months, and she's just really good. Indeed. Um, beneath Saya, we have the clear number three of the group, which is Azumi, which a lot of who a lot of people will know from the feud with with Mercedes Money and gifts of her wrestling starlight kid that would have gone around. Um, Dylan, could you tell the people how old is Azumi? Azumi is twenty years old. How long has she's she been wrestling? Age. 10 years she's she's mm-hmm. going on 10 years in ring and she has been training for 11 and a half uh 12 maybe yeah didn't she debut with or she trained with Kyrie's she, class she was she was in the third generation of Starm. so yeah. for for people who don't quite know uh Starm goes by generation it's kind of loose but you know there there is sheets out there that you can find that like tell you what generation everybody's in uh the first two generations were in 2011 the first year that they were around was like 2010, 2011. And then the second generation or the third generation, sorry, was 2012. 
and Azumi was a part of the second, the third. Uh, I keep fucking drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a part of the third generation alongside Kairi, uh, Sane, Hojo, and um, I believe Act. Yes, Kawa. Wait, no. Act was first. It doesn't matter. Azumi has been wrestling for a very long time. Since she was nine years old, she's been training. And now she is getting her flowers as the top high-speed wrestler in the company. Yeah, and Azumi, Azumi is kind of like Koguma in that she's very much can wrestle in the high speed, can do tag stuff, can do artist stuff, uh, can pin anybody, but is also somebody that can be pinned in, in a, a, any situation needed. So like she's she's got a lot of versatility, much like Koguma. Um, with Azumi, there is clearly a little bit more to it because she's, she's been around for so long and she's built a lot of rivalries. So her and Starlight Kid are almost always compared to each other because for a long time they were the two kid wrestlers and they both were like really high paced and all that sort of stuff. So like with Azumi, um, she's kind of like the core of the group. Like Queen's Quest without Azumi just shouldn't even exist. You know, like she's the leader. Yeah. But she carries on the spirit of Queen's Quest because she is very. Much... I mean, for a long time, people just considered her the leader just yeah. because she is the most Queen's Quest mm-hmm. wrestler. She's been there the longest, uh, and she just she is that glue that holds the group together. Yeah. Kind of like I said about Koguma in Stars, uh, they they are very similar Koguma and Azumi, but similar to how I said Koguma is kind of the glue of Stars, uh, Azumi even more so for Queen's Quest. Yeah, like she's she's necessary for the group and. Um... Like she rounds out a very strong top three. You know, the the Utami Saya Azumi trio is probably one of the best in the company now that DDM has split. Um, and then you kind of get into the lower regions of of Queen's Quest. I think at this stage, number four is Miyu Amasaki. She yeah. kind of like Hanan is somebody that they have hopes for the future, but Miyu only debuted last year, so she was like their first one of their first trainees in a long time, her and Lady C, who both are in Queen's Quest. Um, and Miyu Amasaki is somebody that they want to be popular. Like, she finishes high in fan votes. I think she finished high in the general election they did last year with the postcards. Um, she's from Kyoto, so now every time they go there, they can advertise the show around her, and they sell out. Like, they draw in Dragon Gate territory because of Miyu Amasaki. So she's somebody that I think they want to to push and do really well but i don't know if it's gonna work because in a group of really great wrestlers i think she's pretty solid and that's about it um now she is obviously like less than 50 matches in so that can change um but definitely she has a long way to go to kind of reach the potential that they want her to reach so she's kind of an interesting one yeah miyu is kind of in like a rough box she I don't know if she's still in school right now, but last year and, you know, uh, for most of her first year as a wrestler, she was very much focused on school. And mm-hmm. so she only wrestled a couple times a month at most. So she didn't really improve much at all for her first like nine months as a wrestler. And they put her in positions where that was very noticeable. Yeah. Uh, so for example, Azumi, notoriously a phenomenal tag team wrestler and they put Miyu Amasaki and her in tag league together and you could tell that Azumi kind of had to sink to Miyu's level to kind of make it coherent and in ways like that you kind of notice okay she's a step behind uh but she is newer she is stardom's designated model 
So <laughs> I think one one of our friends uh, looked her up on Google and like half of the pictures were of her uh, in a bikini because she is a model for the company. I see. Uh, so she's, yeah, so she's like, she's kind of all over the place with uh, her, what she's doing. She is improving a lot in the recent months. I will say, I feel like I've seen more really good Miyu Amasaki matches in the past two months than I did her entire first year as a wrestler. So that's saying something, but she definitely is someone they want to build eventually, but we aren't sure if they're going to, because she definitely needs to step up. I think, I think last month she said that in a year's time, she wanted to hold a championship. Like she wanted to be the top of stardom, quote unquote. So she might've just been talking out of her butt or she might, you know, win a belt in the next year. Uh, we aren't quite sure yet. Yeah, that's, that'll be one to follow because uh, that wouldn't be out of the question for stardom. They do push people very quickly when they want to. Yeah. Um, underneath Mew, then, we have, uh, I would say Lady C is next. Uh, Lady C is an older woman. She was a teacher before training. Uh, she, her whole thing is that she's tall. She's uh, 177 centimeters tall, which made her the Worked. tallest on the roster until Hanako debuted. Um and she was very much there was a there was like quite a change because stardom went from kagetsu training which gave us utami and then we had like the first trainees in a while which was lady c and when lady c wasn't utami people were like what the hell is this oh she's bad yeah no she's a she's a trainee (laughs) yeah so like she's she's a solid wrestler and a solid like big woman wrestler and like she does boots and she does submissions and she uses her her great hot tag yes very good hot tag and the crowd is kind of into it but there's not a lot there as terms of like pushing her you know like i don't see her ever being a tag champion or holding one of the top two belts like she is kind of where she is and that's about all she's ever going to be she she might grab the artist belt at some point, mm. um, but I guess the trio that she would have won it with, one of them is retiring, so that's yeah. not very likely. Um, but yeah, she's a solid hand. She, like I said, a great hot tag. She has some really fun offense, but she definitely is steps below the top three in this group. Yeah. And even then, it's it's kind of hard for her to really show out. She's usually she usually tags along with one of the top three to lose on pay-per-views if they're not doing anything. Uh, like, that's kind of her role is... Uh, but even now, with Miyu being more available than she was last year, she's kind of losing that role as well. So she's kind of lost in space right now. Her and Hanako are starting a tag team as the tall ladies, the Towers of Power, as I call them. But, you know, that's still really new. We'll see how that pans out. As of now, she doesn't really have a ton of upward trajectory. But she is popular. She gets some... Get some good moves in there, but she usually is the one taking the pin. Yeah. And then underneath her, we have Hina. Uh, Hina is the younger sister of Hanan. She, her twin, Rina, is also a wrestler. She's in a different faction. Um, Hina's very focused on school, so she does disappear for a long time, long periods of time. Uh, she She's... she's... 16 yeah let me let's preface yeah. that she's so it makes sense why she's focused yes. on school yeah. and and away for long periods of time um so she like she's been in the company for a while like her and rena were having exhibition matches as, as far back as 2018 when they were tiny um so she's been around for a while and she's a pretty solid wrestler it's one of those where uh she's not really as charismatic as her two sisters 
so you're not sure if the upside is there and you're kind of going to have to wait until she's finished with school to really see what you've got there. So she's kind of in a spot now where they just kind of throw her out there to lose every now and then because she isn't around a lot and that's kind of all they really need from her. Yeah, she she started so as a as a wrestler in ring she definitely in my opinion uh got better quicker than rena her twin sister uh in ring but since she's kind of taken a step back and really focused on school and rena has made wrestling more of a priority than her uh rena's in ring has not only improved but her charisma has been way more noticeable so hina is the third of the three sisters uh in terms of just like overall you know performance but she definitely has a ton of potential as an in-ring worker her like alex said the charisma isn't necessarily there yet but she is very good and very swift in ring it's just a matter of her getting more reps in uh which won't happen until she's done with school which is a while away so you know she's a bit you know inconsistent because of that but she is a solid hand and she probably will be if she sticks with wrestling uh a a very good worker, much like her sisters in the coming years. Indeed. And uh, that is the last member of Queen's Quest. So on from there, we have the last of the kind of old school slash original factions um, in Oedotai. And Oedotai is a very storied history. Uh, they started life out as Kimura Monster Gun. And it changed hands when K- Kyoko Kimura retired. And uh, Kagetsu became the leader. And when Kagetsu retired, it kind of went into limbo for a while, where Natsuko Tora was made the leader, but that's getting ahead of myself. So Oedotai, they've always been very heelish. Uh, going back to Kimura Monster mm-hmm. Gun, like Kimura Monster Gun were very much like, we are big and we are horrible and we are mean. And they continued that as Kagetsu Oedotai. They were still kind of like they're very rebellious very much we're gonna cheat we're gonna you know do whatever the stardom audience never really vibed with heels so they would be there cheating and everybody would be like oh that's cool i like that so way to tie kind of gained this image as kind of these like lovable rebels where you know queen's quest is really stuck up and stars are too like nice and way to tie they're the cool ones right like that was that was the vibe yeah. for a while uh, they're the fun, cool ones uh, to Queen's Quest preppiness. And when Natsuko Tora took over, the group really shifted back to being that like ultra heel style. Like they they cheat and they cheat and they cheat. And for the most part, the wink wink ha we're still cool vibe is gone. Like they're meant to be annoying, and you're meant to to want to see them get beat up but i'm not sure the stardom audience is still used to that because i don't really ever hear them getting booed and in fact the loudest reactions we've heard from them recently was the crowd going nuts when Rocka hit the seven up member with a box and they thought they were going to win the match yeah. so tie is kind of weird in that they're clearly meant to be the big bad heels but the crowd just isn't fully into that so instead, you just kind of get them playing heel rather than being heel, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I don't have to, you know, uh, be too sour on them because you kind of 
got everything out in a more polite way because I my favorite faction of all time, my favorite faction alignment of all time personally was the Kagetsu era of Oedotai. So this is a departure from that and that always rubbed me the wrong way. But I do think they have signs of really great uh, character dynamics regardless. I think Ruaka especially, who is, you know, she's maybe fifth from the top, sixth from the top, but she has a lot of upside as an Oedotai member. And I think that uh, Natsuko similarly, Saki similarly, Rina similarly, are all really good at something. It just feels like they still haven't fully found it yet. And with cheering coming back to stardom recently, I feel like it might continue to evolve uh, past whatever weird limbo they've been in the past few years. Um, because, yeah, it, it definitely is like a, oh, we are annoying and not cool at all on purpose. But it also doesn't really work because people want to like them. Mm. But it doesn't it's it's all over the place the vibes and the you know reaction is just kind of strange but they do have a lot of upside overall in my opinion they do um now they are the exception to the rule because natsuko tora is their leader natsuko is very much not a main eventer in in stardom um like they never got to build up natsuko because she was rushed into the leadership Hazuki was clearly meant to inherit this group when Kagetsu retired, but Hazuki retired, and then a day later, Kagetsu retired, or at least announced uh, his intentions yeah. to retire. So, I mean, the the five star before she became the leader, she got two wins, yeah, I believe. Like they and she was at the bottom of the of the barrel. So yeah, she was not primed for this. At and all. she got very unlucky because she was meant to have a breakout match with Arisa Hoshiki. And COVID hit. So Risa pulled out of that show and was never seen again. And then everything shuts down. So Natsuko never got that establishing match. And when we came and back... And then a year later... A year later... Sorry, this is jumping right. ahead a little bit. Like A year later, she was once again primed for a big opportunity against Utami for the red belt. Mm -hmm. And she got injured two minutes into the match. <laughs> so... Luck has never been on the side of Natsuko Tora, so they've never yeah. been able to establish her as a main event player. She's clearly still the leader of Oedo Tai, but as far as, like, compared to the other faction leaders, she's way, like, down the card. I would almost put her below some of the number two wrestlers in, in other factions. So Natsuko is kind of a weird one uh, as far as faction leaders go. But she's very much still kind of important because a way to tire used a lot for giving people feuds. You know, they, they feuded with stars for a long time. Uh, they were going to move into a feud with DDM, I think, at one point before uh, Natsuko Tora got injured. Um, and she hasn't done a whole lot since coming back. But she's kind of the one person who will start shit with people so that her faction can join join the party. So she's like... I don't I don't really know. She's the catalyst of the group. Yeah, like she's the catalyst. I don't know a good comparison from any other company. Like it's just she's always I mean, around the top of the card, but not not, not enough people watch DDT to recognize that I think they're very similar to Damnation. Yeah. Uh because Daisuke doesn't get like crazy pushed. Um Near, near does anybody in the group really but it, it, he's always around starting shit yeah. right and and that's kind of where natsuko is uh the only difference is that 
Damnation, you know, they have cannon maybe, but <laughs> Oedotai has a lot of people under Natsuko who people consider better than Natsuko or more important than Natsuko. Yep. And that starts with her number two, Starlight Kid. Um, Starlight Kid was initially uh, a member of Stars for a long time, as the name might suggest, Starlight Kid. Um, she was primed to be alongside Hanan, it was like, oh, she's the next big baby face, right? Like, that was Starlight Kid's spot for a long time. Um, and then they very suddenly had her go heel uh, when Oedotai won her away from Stars. So she was forced to join Oedotai. For about a month, they did this will-she-won't-she she thing. Ayu beat all of Oedotai in one match to win back Starlight Kid, only for Starlight Kid to say no. I'm not rejoining you. This is my path now. I will one day stand next to you, but I'm not going to stand behind you anymore. So Starlight Kid kind of reinvented herself in a way to tie. And I think in some ways it's been very good for her because she's really got to find a different side of herself. I think she's got a lot of very easy charisma. She always looks really good, like really cool, like her masks and her, her gear are cool. Um, she's obviously got big opportunities. Um, I think the weight with her is just when she goes back to being a babyface. Like, she's never going to inherit Oedotai because her future is as Mayu's tag partner down the line. Because, you know, she said it. She said, I will stand next to you when I feel I'm ready. So Kid versus Mayu is a big feud that's always kind of going on. Um, but that kind of limits where Kid can go in Oedotai. Like, she's clearly the number two of the group because they want to push her to superstardom eventually but she can't make her the number one because this isn't her group and it's not really meant to be yeah um starlight kid is an interesting one because she excelled as a as a baby face in my opinion obviously people have detracting opinions some people think she was kind of boring but i think she excelled like greatly as a baby face um and then she went to a wedo tie and they with natsuko injured at the time they kind of put her into certain positions that she couldn't excel as much and you know she kind of had to rely on a lot of uh as i call it stick in a way to tie mm -hmm. uh where it's not even like really meaningful heel work it's just kind of like oh well, i need i need something to do right now so i'm going to do a little bit of you know grinding away at the wrestler or you know doing a little bit of cheating that doesn't really you know add to the match much but i think in recent times she's definitely improved on that mm -hmm. and uh as long as we don't talk about karma, uh, which we'll talk about later. But I think she's improved on that. And I do think that she has, she's quite good in certain roles as an Oedo Tai wrestler, but I still think her bread and butter will be and is as a babyface. And I'm really excited to see her out of Oedo Tai uh, eventually, because quite frankly, I'm not huge on heel Starlight Kid. Definitely. Um, now, the number three in Oedo Tai is Momo Anabe. I think that's safe to say. Um, Momo... Yeah inherited Queen's Quest from Io Shirai and went on a record-setting run as Wonder of Stardom champion. Uh, at the time when I started watching, she was primed to be the new ace. Like, it was yeah. like they called her the next ace. They were very much, this is going to be her company. Um, this is when she was 19 years she old. She was 19. Mike. And I, I don't really know what happened. It's just other people just surpassed her, I guess. Like, she slowly became less important in Queen's Quest to the point that it felt like it was Utami's group anyway. So 
when Momo did her swerve heel turn to join a way to tie, it was like, I get it. I don't like it. Um, and another thing about her heel turn to join a way to tie uh, is she isn't really supposed to be in a way to tie. Mm-hmm. The reason why she's in a way to tie is because Konami uh, was leaving yeah. and they needed somebody to prevent Starlight Kid from being the far and away leader of the group in Natsuko's mm-hmm. absence. So they just kind of threw Momo into a way to tie until Natsuko came back and now she's just too different to throw her anywhere else. So she just kind of is there by happenstance because Konami was leaving the company and Konami was in Oedotai. She was kind of that second in command spot and they needed somebody there uh, so that kid wasn't alone with undercarters. And that's kind of how it happened, which is kind of funny when we talked about how she's like, she used to be like the ace or like the ace in, uh, you know, ace in the future. And she just kind of like got rolled into a different company because of, you know, things that happened around her. So yeah, it's it's definitely, regardless of if you're a fan or not, it's definitely a fall for, from grace for Momo Watanabe to be the third in Oedo Tai that she wasn't even supposed to be in in the first place. Yeah, and the thing with Momo is that she's she's one of their best wrestlers. I mean, oh, before the heel turn, she had one of the best matches in Stardom history. Like that GP final with Suri was incredible. One hundred percent. Like she can still deliver. You know, I, I'm a lot higher on her than you are. Like, she's she's still great. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's definitely a clear... There's something missing with Heel Momo that wasn't missing when she was in Queen's Quest. Um, and she's, she's just a weird conundrum in that. I feel like if you didn't watch her Reign of Terror, you maybe don't get it as much. Whereas as people who saw her when she was dominating the company, it's like, okay, she can be incredible. You know, like the the she carried this place after Eo and Kyrie left, essentially. Um, but if you haven't seen that, maybe it doesn't resonate as much, which is why she's kind of stuck now. As Stardom keeps adding more people and keeps debuting more people, why she kind of keeps falling further and further down. Um, but she's definitely a, a weird one. But she is still generally protected. I mean, she spent most of last year as champion. Uh, she went from a goddess tag title reign to the artist titles. So they do still give her stuff to do, which is good. Um, but it's definitely a far cry from where she was. Um, and then kind of underneath her, I think the fourth in in a way to tie is probably Saki Kashima. Um, yeah, yeah it, it depends on the day. <laughs> They're a weird group because they have two people who can roll up anybody on any day. But Fukigen yes. isn't really there all the time, so I would guess I would put yes. Saki as number four. I, I would put Ruak over mm. Fukigen, but we'll get that yeah. to that in a minute. So Saki Kashima is the number four. She's a veteran. Uh, she debuted back in 2011 and was around for about a year before leaving, I think. Um, and she came back then to Stars in about 2017 or 2018. So yeah, so she was she was in Stars for a while. And she she like did a big swerve I think on on Mayu Itani, and she she's like <laughs> she's the most versatile wrestler in that she can literally be anywhere they want because she's got the finisher she's got this revival finisher that can pin anybody like everybody in the company has or will lose the revival at some point but also she could lose to like a child with ease. Like, and she yes. Has the times. thing with Saki Kashima is, 
she's the perfect like middle of the road in to which they can push her if they want or they can have her lose to everybody she's so teflon is absurd um she's like she's a really good wrestler when they give her stuff to do like she's at her base a high speed wrestler that's what she did in her original run was high speed and now she focuses a bit more on being heelish but every now and then she plays up the high speed and you're like okay you're i see it so uh saki kashima is a weird one uh we respect saki around here i I really like what she brings to stardom but yeah she's like the perfect mid-card wrestler who can literally do whatever they want yeah uh i think since portraying mayu utani um at the beginning of 2020 uh her and Mayu have had perhaps the most versatile series of matches mm-hmm. of all time because uh, her match against Mayu at No People Gate, the first and one of the only, I believe, shows that Starm ran with zero people in attendance, was one of my favorite Mayu matches of all time. And Mayu is Mayu has like 700 great matches, so that's saying something, right? But Saki Kashima has also worked with Mayu to produce one or two of her worst matches that I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> so to have that variety of like, oh, I've seen Saki versus Mayu, and it was the worst match like of that year in the company. And you could see them have the best match of the year in that company. It, it's kind of insane how she varies. Like you said, the revival is a very protected finish, even if it's not you know always the winner. It can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. And it has beaten pretty much everyone. I think uh, most notably is Shuri. She routinely beats Shuri with the Revival. And Shuri is one of the most protected wrestlers in the company. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she, she, I, I, I will talk about this a little bit later. She only has one losing record against somebody active in the company right now. And that's kind of fucking insane. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Saki definitely has a lot of, of tricks and, and, you know, tricks up her sleeve and she's a great comedy wrestler i think is mm-hmm. another thing she's a great high speed wrestler she has a lot of variety so you know a lot of people really like her i respect her she ain't my favorite but i, I definitely respect her because you can get a lot out of a saki kashima match if she wants you to get a lot out of it. definitely um qu- kind of similarly we have somebody on her level roughly in fukigan death um fukigan death was also one from stars uh in a stipulation match um there, there's a few uh common commonalities here between the the members of oida tai um so uh, they're all just not in stars <laughs> pretty sure all but like two turned on stars zoraka rocka uh, also said i'm out i don't give a shit about stars and rena literally just skipped off with Saki Kashima one day. But we'll get to that. Um, so Fukigen Death was one away from, from stars. Uh, Fukigen is better known as Kaori Oniyama, uh, who is one of the most underrated Joshi wrestlers of all time. Like, at her peak was incredible. You know, if, you, if you've never seen much of Kaori Oniyama, like her matches with Natsuki Taiyo, uh, the hair versus hair match with Amy Sakura, uh, like, she was around in the 90s. Like, she, she, she's a, she yeah. goes back a long way. So she's very respected by stardom because she's been around from essentially day one. But they treat her with a lot of reverence. And she can also beat anybody. But because she's not signed and she like she runs YMZ and she works like 20 dates a month, she's not always around to do stuff. So Fuki and Death character is where she just gets to do shtick. She gets to roll up some nobody. She gets to go home. 
going to see a that, lot. That nobody is usually Momoko, yes. though, uh, unfortunately. So, like, Fuki and Death is very protected, but they're not going to do a lot with her. Like, I think last year when she randomly challenged Mayu for the SWA belt was probably it. Or where Azumi asked for her to, to come back to Kaori for a little bit was, was probably it. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't see her doing much kind of in this character. Yeah, uh, Gen Death is the third death character mm-hmm. of Yoniyama's. Um, the first was pr- probably the best. It was uh, Death Yamasan, oh. who was Hanakamura's right hand woman, um, <laughs> right hand ghost clown. Cool. I don't know. Um, yeah, ghoul. I don't. You know, she she was great as Death Yamasan. When TCS ended, she went to Stars and became Gokigen Death, which means happy death, or you know, good death, positive death, whatever. Uh, and she was there for a bit. Had a really great tag run with Riho. Oh, yeah. AEW's Riho had one of the like best comedy tag teams of 2021, I believe. Uh, then she got one by Oedotai, became their slave clown. I'm not making that up. Uh, and now she just is like an old man who like reads newspapers and smokes. And it's it's very strange. I would smoke. say this is the strangest. She smokes. No, no, no. Imaginary she cigars. To smoke. The referees. Some. None of this really matters that much because she's only on a couple shows a yeah. month. Still. But she's good sometimes, and sometimes she just is like, "I'm a clown, baby," and that's yeah. it. You know what I mean? Uh, she's won the high speed belt a lot. She's used frequently as a high speed um, stat patter or a transitional champion. So she was the champion between Hazuki and Riho, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, just so that they don't have to do too much business, they could just put the high-speed belt on Yoniyama, and it's it's easy. But, yeah, I would say the current iteration of Yoniyama is probably her weakest. It's kind of uh, been played out a bit, but she's still around, and she's still cool. So shout out to her. Indeed. Uh, rounding out a way to tie, we have Raka and Rina. Uh, these are both uh, also children. Um <laughs> They, alongside Starlight Kid, kind of have their own like mini split-off thing called Young OED. Um, they team together occasionally as Young OED. They come out, they have like uh, robes that are all, you know, united or whatever. Yeah, like like murderers. Yeah, this it, it, cool. is a good look. Um, but when they're in a way to tie, they're very much like the bottom rung of a way to tie. Um, but with them, it's like they, they kind of protect them and want to use them. Because uh, with Rina, the uh, star potential is obvious, right? Like, Rina is too young to push, but they will eventually because she's tall. She's kind of got the charisma already. She's got a lot of ties to Hanakimura, which I think will come in handy for her down the line. Um, and Rokka is somebody who's been there for so long that I feel like they they set, they have some loyalty to her. So Rokka's like the next Natsuki. Yes. Like, is, is the like if anybody it. is to inherit this group, it would be Rokka. Um, because she's very much in a similar vein to Natsuko of like the hoss, eatable, but will also like get in people's shit when when needed, right? Um, so they're kind of in an interesting spot where I think Rena has the much higher ceiling, and they're just kind of waiting for Rena because she she is the twin sister of Hina. Uh, Rena, unlike Hina, does not care about school, so she is on a lot more shows. Um. But she isn't full-time just yet. Although they are prepping Rina to maybe win the future belt, which would kind of be cool. Uh, Rocka, Rocka did hold the future belt, and it was a decent reign. Um, so, like, they round out a way to tie. 
they're not exactly like jobbers like like Hina is, but they're clearly waiting to push them. Which I'm not sure how high they're gonna go. Like Ruaka, I don't see winning a white belt or anything. But if she inherits a faction, that's you know not a lot of people can say they did that. Yeah, I Ruaka, her ceiling is eventually being Hanan's foil, mm. right? Um, and as of right now, she just challenged for the tag belts with Natsuko in a really great match, uh, and it kind of showed off that she has a lot of potential, a lot more than people necessarily give her credit for. Um, but yeah, she definitely isn't like this, uh, you know, future ace or even future, you know, top heel in the company. But I do think, well, maybe future top heel. I think that's kind of where, uh, if best case scenario for her, she becomes the top heel in the company, uh, you know, five years down the line or whatever. And yeah, with Rena, she has immense personality, immense character. Uh, she give her a mic and she just goes crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's honestly quite incredible because she's probably the best talker, like one of the best talkers in the company uh, in terms of just like sheer personality. She kind of gets that from Azumi back in the day. She kind of inherited that bratty teenager gimmick that Azumi had a few years ago and she's really ran with it she's really great with it um when it comes to young oed with with starlight kid i think their best stuff right now is them being like uh <laughs> like shock lock and barrel from nightmare before christmas if anybody knows that movie where they're just kind of children who just fuck with people and just you can't stand them but they're kind of a- adorable they're kind of endearing and they just like they're just funny in that way uh, I think that's their best stuff, and I think that's really good when they do kind of dip into that sort of character, because I think all three of them complement each other, and Natsuko complements Ruaka very well, and it, it really works uh, sometimes with Oedo Tai. Yeah, they, they have their moments. Um, rounding out Oedo Tai is, is kind of a part-time member. Um, on the New Blood shows, Starlight Kid teams with Karma. Um, Karma is like this alternative gimmick for Haruka Umasaki, who wrestles for Diana. Um, it's not very good. It, it's got a voice, like it's got a no. voice modifier. It comes out with like goggles and paint on its face. Um, like Karma and Kid are the New Blood Tag Team Champions, so there's clearly some stock being put in them. Um, but they are New Blood exclusive, which kind of it, it's a bit of a weird canon because Umasaki will show up on nord- normal Stardom shows. And it will be acknowledged that she's kind of aligned with Starlight Kid. It's not acknowledged that she's Karma. But Karma never shows up in the normal shows. So it's it's a weird one. Uh, she, she is a member. Umasaki will probably eventually join Stardom down the line. Because I don't see her sticking with Diana for the rest of her career. Um, and we'll have to see what happens then. But for now, she's kind of around part-time. Uh, kind of aligned with the way to tie. But also kind of not. So it's a weird one. Yeah, um, if you don't, if, you know, karma's something that if you want to go out of your way and see it, you can, but she isn't, don't. Yeah, just, just, just <laughs> please save yourself. Um, that does... If you want to see good Umasaki, watch a different company, yeah. I'm going to be real. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> that's, that's where we're at with Pretty that. Much. Uh, but that does round out a way to tie, and that kind of finishes off the original like old school three long established factions from here on out we have newer groups um starting with donna del mondo 
uh, which is a, is a mistranslation for women of the world. I think it's like woman of the world, but it's meant to be women. Um, and Donna Del Mondo came along in January of 2020. Uh, Julia jumped ship from Ice Ribbon very controversially towards the tail end of 2019. Uh, she debuted for stardom then in December and immediately took over. And uh, in January, she was joined by Micah, who was originally trained by Just Tap Out and had only debuted a few months beforehand, as well as Suri, former UFC fighter, future World of Stardom champion, uh, long-term like indie wrestling, like Joshi indie veteran. Like everybody knew who Suri was. She yeah. had wrestled everywhere. She was really well respected as one of the best wrestlers on the scene. She was trained by. She was trained by Kana. And by Kana, like the Kana slash Asuka. Um, well, Jerry yeah. Kana, you know. Um, so Don Elmondo started off with those three of Julia, Micah, and Suri. Oh, wait, I'm an idiot. What? Konami was oh, trained yeah. by Kana. Shuri was trained by uh, Jiri. That's I why see, I'm... I see. Uh, so if you like Tajiri, well, he trained Suri. Um, yeah. But the, with that original three, like, Don Elmondo changed the game. Like, they were the central focus of stardom from the time they debuted until last March, I would say, which was March 2020, yeah. 2022. And you could even say they were central until just a few months ago because Julia and Siri wrestled in the, the main event of Sumo Hall. So, uh, Donald Armando, they... I mean, you could really say that they were central until next week when they're number three. Yeah, leaves. pretty much. Like, like they are, they are pretty. They have a, they have a reign yeah. of terror. You know, like they, they were, they were everything. It. Like, they, there were certain tournaments where both. I think it was like a run of tournaments for like two years where every final of a tournament had a DDM member in it. Like, they yeah. changed the yeah. game. Their whole thing was we're outsiders and we're taking over essentially it wasn't like an invasion it was just like we are here now we are stardom this is ours that created a lot of beef with the original uh factions like queen's quest so ddm has always been that more serious vibe of we are going to be the best you don't have to like us but we're gonna we're gonna be the best anyway um and like they're one of the first factions who came along without a strong identity though because you know stardom used to have very strong identities for the factions but with ddm it was like oh well they want to win queen's quest wants to win as well but ddm wants to win more and they're also outsiders so they and they're also kind of more bad yeah kind of like they're more egotistical um so like they but they do mark a shift towards factions with less of an identity which you will see become an issue as we talk about some of the later ones but donald Armando today made up of a uh, faction leader julia um julia as i said jumped ship very controversially from ice ribbon uh her first within her first month she had a an all-time classic stardom match uh her and hanakamura had a time limit draw at the year-end climax a match that a lot of people still remember to this day uh like julia will always be very important because she was hannah's last feud right and she carries that with her she she very much still is is very aware of that like you like julia despite only interacting with hannah for a few months still carries a lot of hannah with her and you can tell that 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 means a lot to her so like julia will always have that tie um she's been somebody that they've built around 
since uh since she's come in like she won the cinderella tournament after two months in in, in the company uh she won the white belt as soon as she could after covid and now she's the red belt champion and she's like she's got the everything like she is if you could build a star you'd make julia right you're about to do the radio. Who was going to do the radio gimmick? But you, you would. Like, she's got <laughs> charisma. She's got star power. She's got this, like, widespread appeal. Like, you could show her to anybody and they would go, holy shit, who is that? And, you know, she wasn't the best wrestler ever, but she continues to get better. And I think now we're seeing the best of her where she's realized, okay, I can't do a lot of stuff. I'm just going to beat the shit out of people. And she beats the crap out of people. She lets them beat the crap out of herself. Her whole thing is wrestling is about hatred and violence and she puts a lot of that into her feuds and it is fantastic when it hits so julia is a central character of stardom like i cannot imagine stardom arguably these these like yeah she's essentially like the focal point like the main character i call her the main character a lot um like there is like i cannot fathom stardom post 2020 without julia like, she is just so important to everything. Like, her feud with Tam Nakano is one of the biggest things in stardom. She's also carrying the company in other ways, like her prominence refuting for all of last year. Now, she's had one of the greatest matches stardom has had in a, lot, in a while with Mayu Kiki, where they killed each other. Like, she's very important to stardom. And she's somebody who is such an obvious star that with her as world champion now, like there is, you know, they could grow leaps and bounds off of her back. Yeah, um, I think most people are are have grown enough to admit that her white belt reign was not very good, um, and a lot of people were anti Julia for a very long time. Some people still are because that white belt reign was was pretty, you know, it was a mixed bag. Uh, nowadays, I feel like she's definitely became a more consistent character, um, more consistent wrestler, and that's really helped her in this red belt reign and she's she's really good Mm -hmm. right like she definitely is that like if you want violence in stardom she's kind of that violent wrestler and she's a really good leader and yeah i think you you kind of summed it all up all right um so behind julia and ddm we have micah um so for a long time this role was filled by siri siri is in a different group now and micah is the number two so micah micah debuted in like mid 2019 and was in stardom by January of 2020. Uh, she was trained by Just Tap yeah. Out, which is uh, Taka Mishinoku's promotion. And, you know, she was very quickly earmarked for success as well. Like, she was one of those where if you paid attention, you were like, oh, they really like her. And mm-hmm. they've kind of followed through with that in that she's been, you know, she's kind of held a few belts. She's generally pretty high up the card. She gets a lot of big title matches. She kind of reminds me of, and this is a bad comparison now, but she was very much like a Sonata or a Zack Sabre Jr. Where I, I sure hope yeah, so. <laughs> where she always felt like, okay, uh, the world champion needs a filler defense. Here's Micah, right? Like Micah was protected and respected enough to give those matches to. She was never really going to win them. Um, but she would always beat like the champion in, G- in tournaments, right? Like Zack Sabre Jr. always beats Naito in the GP or whatever. Maiko will almost always yeah. beat Utami or Momo in the GP. So she's a great she's a great bounty hunter when it yeah, comes to tournaments. Like she, 
because she just beats any champion yeah. possible. And that always felt like her role. Um, and her her and uh, Himeka formed like a pretty great tag team as well. So she's she's good at tag wrestling. She's good at singles wrestling. I would say she's a great wrestler on her best days. Like she she can do so much good stuff. Like she can she can do technical stuff. She can do power stuff. She can just do impactful stuff where she just throws people around like without regard. Mm-hmm. She can be great. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like she's one of those number two faction members who will get slided down as soon as they find somebody they like better. Like her spot isn't safe. You know what I mean? Like I don't see them ever putting her to that next level unless like Sonata something changes. You know, like he he completely changed everything to, to unlock what he did. Yeah. And I think Micah would have to do that as well because you know, a lot of the time when you see her for these bigger matches, you're like, oh, well, she's just like Tommy, but not as good, right? Because they have the same kind of regal air to them. And that's that's been that's been Micah's problem since yeah, her day. Like she was compared to Utami uh, from day is, one. Yeah, because they're both judo yeah. girls. They both started they looked doing similar. Things. They both had like Micah's, Micah's red better judo gear. It was very. Yeah, they they both had they both had similar judo gear. Um, they both I don't know if it was at the same time. They both had blonde mm-hmm. hair. Uh, for a time, they both were, you know, like I said, judo. Because Micah's first match in Stardom, her first singles match was against mm-hmm. Utami. Or no, that was before Stardom. She called out Utami. It, she just has always had that struggle of being a rival of Utami, but always being considered a step below Utami. So it, it's always been really hard for her. Which, honestly, if you do watch New Japan, it's actually the comparisons between her and Sonata are very good. Uh, because Sonata to Okada is kind of similar. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very hard for her to kind of stand out in those big matches. But if you watch like her tag team matches, her her, her high tier tag team matches and her work just on any given day, she kind of jumps off the screen just because she has like a lot of explosive offense. And I don't know, I'm a big fan of Micah. I think her vibe is really good. Uh, she took the Michinoku driver number two from her trainer and she uses that to win matches and i just think she's really cool but it, it is going to be hard for her to win a championship even though she feels like she's on the cusp of it like she maybe needs a few big like monumental things to happen and she's off to the races yeah. but until that happens she's kind of in a I always got especially with himeka uh mm-hmm. retiring i always so. get torn with micah because every now and then i'm like well they have to give her a belt at some point even just for a little bit yeah. Then sometimes they're like, everybody holds the belts for like a year now. Maybe not. So I don't know. With Micah, I kind of go back and forth on whether or not she's going to win one of the big two because she could. She she could easily it, be red belt champion, like with ease. It feels like it feels like it's one of those things where it's like, like you said, it's like she's got to at some point. Like it just it feels like it would be strange not yeah. to, right? Like it's not it's not even a matter of like oh she deserves it. It's just a matter of like her character, like eventually needs yeah. to get a belt you know like it, it just makes sense at least once you know like even goto got the ic belt for a bit you mm. know <laughs> like something i think yes yeah, so, i mean she's an odd one where she could easily win the red belt with her in-ring talent but i don't know if they ever go through with it but i hope they do because she's really good um now the number three spot in ddm as we're recording this is up in the air because it was filled by himeka but Himeka is retiring at Yokohama Arena, so she's going to be out of the picture. 
what I believe will happen is my Sakurai will be promoted to fill that spot. Sakurai is somebody who was signed from Actress Girl. She also left Actress when they said they were going to stop being wrestling, but then didn't stop being wrestling. Um, she came in like with, what, like 20 matches under her belt? She was a newbie, Maybe. like completely new to wrestling, um, debuted and uh, was not very well received by fans, I think to say the least. And she originally, no, she was, she's quite yeah, bad. she was originally in Cosmic Angels as well. But Julia always had this like weird connection with her, uh, of like, I I really want you in DDM. I think we could take you to a new level. So she eventually did leave Cosmic Angels and joined Donna Del Mondo. And um, I think she's grown a lot over the last while. Like her and Julia sometimes form a tag team and it's pretty good. Um, her, Julia, and Tekla are sometimes a trio and it's pretty fun. Um, but they're definitely going to need to do something with Mai if she's going to be the number three. I like, I like by the time this goes out, this might have happened. I assume she's winning the Cinderella tournament and she's going to have a match with Mina where she, you know, looks really good in defeat and that's her like elevation um but much like micah it doesn't feel like it's it's solid like i feel like if they sign somebody that they like she could easily slide back down but for now i believe she's the number three of the group yeah which is unfortunate because the the last member of the group we'll talk about i think is Mm -hmm. a lot better but that's just me um yeah, my Sakura is an interesting one because she definitely has improved in certain areas she's really good at, right? Because, like, early on, it felt like she wasn't really good at anything. But then when she joined Donna Damondo and she kind of, like, grew, she became really good in tag wrestling matches, right? Especially with Julia or with Micah. Uh, pretty much anybody that wasn't Lady C, who she had a tag league mm-hmm. run with, she delivered as a tag team partner of. Um, and she was also really good at plunder matches, she had one of the best prominence tag matches in the company. Uh, I think it was Showcase 1, where her and... No, it wasn't Showcase 1. I don't remember. Uh, but her and Julia had a tag match against Suzu Suzuki and uh, Risa Sarah. That was a hardcore match. And my Sakura just showed out. Like, she was just an incredible hardcore wrestler. And that's not something you come by a lot in Stardom Plunder matches, because they kind of limit themselves. But she just excelled. So she has lanes where she's really good. As a singles performer, she is still pretty unproven, and when she has been given opportunities to prove it, she's not particularly great. I remember her GP last year was pretty uh, disastrous, in my opinion. But she definitely is someone they want, similar to the rest of what we talked about earlier, someone they want to show up and shine, at least to become possibly a number two in a faction. Maybe not the leader of any faction, but they want her to be at the level where she can be the second in command of something. But she isn't there yet. And they've they have given her a gimmick. And as we're as we're recording very recent where she's um she's like, I am the her royal highness and you're all commoners and I'm gonna eat lovely dinner and you're gonna you simps are gonna go home and eat your noodles. So she's trying to dig her teeth into something, but I don't know if it's gonna work. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's the wrong yeah. one. <laughs> so there's a lot up in the air with my Sakurai. I've been a big defender of her from pretty early on because I thought she had charisma and, and some semblance of star power. Um, and she's kind of showing that my faith was right. Um, but there's definitely a long way to go if she's going to live up to the other number threes of DDM because 
you know, this is a faction that historically is, is pretty strong. That's currently going through a bit of a, a bad stretch. Um, now, the last member of DDM is Tekla. Uh, Tekla also jumped ship from Ice Ribbon. She is from Austria, and uh, she's the high-speed wrestler of the group. She's very versatile and kind of get wins over, can kind of like randomly get wins over a bunch of people, can also lose. Um, she's really talented, really charismatic. Like in any other world, she'd be a pretty featured member of a faction, but I don't really know why she hasn't done a lot in stardom. Um, she did get injured last year, kind of at the point where they would have done a lot with her. And now she's just kind of there. Which is strange, because I feel like she, of all people, could have picked it back up if they let her. You know what I mean? Like, like she, it, she is no worse than she was before injury. You know what I mean? Like, every opportunity she's had since coming back from injury has, she's been good. Uh, but they just kind of have moved on from her, I guess. Because uh, she was, the thing is, is during COVID in Japan, a lot of the foreign wrestlers just couldn't get over there. So any foreign wrestler that was already over there was, you know, a, an asset. So she kind of came in a little bit before more foreigners could come in. So I feel like maybe they just kind of take her for granted because now they can get other foreigners if they want. But she is an incredible talent. One of the better Gaijins that uh, Starm has ever had, in my mm -hmm. opinion, because they've had some stinkers. Um, she's just really, really good. She Every singles match that she gets, she performs out of her boots in. She had one with Azumi last year. It was really good. Her one with Mayu, I thought was incredible, and people don't talk about it enough, yeah. where she lost SWA belt, unfortunately. Um, I thought that was really good. She She's really good. I, I truly think that she has the potential of being like that uh, foreign, maybe not ace, but that foreign, like that top foreign star. But they just don't do not do that right now yeah. with her. She might be one that eventually becomes inevitable. Like they just can't help but give her something. Um, but for now, she's yeah. very much the far and away least important member of, of Donna Del Mondo, um, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, but that rounds out Donald Almondo. Uh, not a lot to say about a faction that has, has essentially like personified the Bushiroad era of stardom, which is kind of crazy. But um, we have another faction, one that's been very important to recent stardom vintage. We have the Cosmic Angels. Now, this is a faction with an identity. They are the idols. That's their thing. They're delicious. They say they're delicious. Um, they have matches where they... Uh, like to get wet in not clothing. Okay, you need to you need to provide more context. <laughs> so for there is a not. thing called the Cosmic Rules yes. match, where they they just kind of are weirdos and perverts to each and other. Used water gun. And then Unagi loses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a time. They haven't done that in a long time, so hopefully it's dead. Um, they're very much idols. They own that. That's their thing. Um, they dance a lot. They dance before their matches. It's fun. I like idols. Idols are the backbone of Joshi wrestling. Uh, biggest stars in Joshi history were all idols. So like, don't get mad because they're idols. Um, but yeah, that's this faction. And they came into life quite controversially because uh, Tam Nakano suddenly was like, Mayu, you hate me and uh, I don't feel respected here. Uh, so I'm going to bring people into stars without your knowledge but you have to be okay with it. And Mayu was like, okay, Tam, I love you. And she's like, no, you don't. You hate me. And yeah, so Tam, so Tam eventually split from Stars. So uh, 
Her and Mayu had a long-standing history, like Tam was forced out of a way to tie due to a stipulation, and Mayu took her under her wing and like brought her into stars and let her grow, and then she just turned her back on Mayu, and it was a whole thing. So Cosmic Angels had a very controversial uh, start to life. For the first year, they were very iffy, because it was Tam, Mina Shirakawa, and Unagi Sayaka, two of which had come from TJPW, uh, one of which came off an injury, so they weren't very great in the ring, but they had like a year-long Artist of Stardom title run. So uh, yeah. they were very controversial for a while, but they are essential to modern stardom. They are popular as hell. Tam, I compare her to, I say she's stardom's Naito a lot. She is over as hell with the fans. They love her. She wins every fan poll. She wins every fan vote. Like, she clears everybody. She was the she was the highest ranked stardom wrestler in the Shoe Pro uh, rankings recently. Like She was like top 10. Yeah, I mean, she, it's, it's her not She, like, runs away with the, it. Yeah, so, so Cosmic Angels, they're very popular with the fans, uh, no matter what we like to think. But, you know, they, they we just have to experience the weird uh, first year that they had. Yeah, we've had... I mean, Cosmic Angels are younger than our podcast started yeah. last. So, like, we've we've... There is there is uh, audio of us covering every single aspect of Cosmic Angels since they've begun, and um, I don't think my personal view of them has ever improved <laughs> past a certain yeah. point. Uh, but this is a this is a beginner's guide. I am not here to be you know uh, overly critical. They are a very foundational part of stardom because there are so many factions nowadays. They kind of needed a second babyface faction, like firmly. Mm. Queen's Quest are good guys, but you know like that white meat baby face they kind of needed a second uh version of that since Don Damando and Oedo Tai are both on the he- more heelish side and God's Eye and Queen's Quest are more tweeners they kind of needed a second baby face uh group so you know they uh, it makes sense why they exist um there are a lot of a lot of members because they technically are uh like they have they have Cosmic Angels but they also have Club Venus which we'll talk about briefly and they also have Colors which is an outsider group who is linked to Cosmic Angels and are technically under the Cosmic Angels umbrella. It's all kind of very confusing, but there's like 12 yeah, members yeah. of Cosmic Angels. We'll go through the main um, ones first, and then we'll we'll go through the rest. Yeah, um, yeah. but they're they're a bit they're a bit you know their characters are strange. Let's just put it like that. Their very. characters are a bit all over the place and strange, but they have a common commonality in that they are the idols that kind of dance their they're space with, cases you know, our they are space cases that's the best way to put them the sure, name cosmic yeah. angels comes from their this obsession that was never explained with the cosmos and they are space cases um now the leader of cosmic angels is tam nakano tam has been around for a long time in stardom she joined from actress girls a few years ago um she originally was with Oedo tai for like a couple of months she was forced out of a way to tie when they lost a big gauntlet match with Queen's Quest. She then joined up with Stars, where she really started to find herself as the Kung Fu girl. Um, in Stars, her, Mayu, and Saki were a, a title-winning artist of Stardom trio. And then along came Arisa Hoshiki. And this was probably the peak of Tam's career, depending on how you feel about the Julia feud. In terms of in terms of in ring, from like late 2018, like when I started watching. Which is late 2018 um from that point until arisa retired so yeah basically from the point that arisa k- 
came back and to when she retired, that was Tam's best yeah. work of her career uh, in ring. In my so opinion. she like first ingrained herself in stardom with the Arisa Hoshki thing because she was like incredibly jealous of Arisa because Arisa Hoshki had debuted with Mayu back in 2011 and had come back to wrestling and Mayu was very close to her and Tam didn't like that. And she made it very clear. She would throw side eyes at Arisa every chance she'd get. She was always pouty around her. She very clearly hated her. She wanted to put her in a microwave. There's a, there's a very um, there was a very famous um, uh, gif of Mayu and Arisa going, "Okay, so I think I think Arisa's in stars. Everybody cool with that?" And then Tam just grabs a, a mic and says, "No." Yeah. And Mayu's like, "Oh, oh, we have a we have a problem." <laughs> It was it was very comical. It was very funny, but there was there was there was, there. Um, and eventually she kind of warmed up to Arisa Hoshiki after they had an incredible Wonder of Stardom title match. They eventually joined uh, formed a tag team called Dream Shine, uh, that was beloved. But when Arisa retired, Tam Tam was kind of moved into the spot that Arisa was because Tam became the next in line for the white belt, which Arisa had held. Like it was kind of this strange thing of. Tam was probably meant to, you know, uh, be the next in that lineage of, like, or she'd beat Arisa for the white belt or something. Um, but now it was, oh, well, this was Arisa's belt, and I want it now, because Arisa was gone. Um, yeah, I think an interesting thing to look at with Tam's arc as a character is that the Arisa retirement did, obviously because it was her tag team partner and her fiercest rival, uh, it affected her in that way. But also, Tam went from this wrestler who, like, lost a lot. She was the lovable loser of stars. And she was, you know, she would get her times to shine, but she really, she was she was that underdog, lovable loser. And then she had to fill the role of somebody who, as far as I remember, had been pinned twice. Yeah, like, Arisa ever, was going to be, like, like Red Bell Champion. She was going to main event Ota Ward yeah. with Mayu. Like, it was going to be historic. So they had to, they had to slot somebody who like historically lost a lot, but was lovable because of that. And they had to move her into the lane of someone who didn't lose mm. ever. Uh, and that really like caused like kind of like a, a shift for Tam. Um, some people believe it was a good shift and it, it led her to better things. Some people believe it kind of shifted her into a lane that she didn't fill yeah. properly. But um, the important but thing, she, it, it changed the important thing about Dreamshine is that it was a very natural, organic feud that tapped into this like you know emotional side it was very easy to get into the characters were easy to understand the matches were easy to enjoy because you could understand why the characters were doing what they were doing the issue is tam has continuously tried to replicate that without that organicness because the dreamshine thing just happened like people picked up on it and it was really fun and it happened and since then tam has tried yeah. to tap into that emotion and that dramatical side and that like we're gonna kill each other because we care so much and it's just never really worked as well and that is if if you are at it at all a part of the uh joshi or the stardom internet uh you know community there's a thing called tam road which is mm -hmm. that where it's kind of it's kind of melodramatic uh it's kind of trying to be something more yeah. than it is. And that's not to say that's bad all the time. I think Tam excels in very specific and certain circumstances, but it is always this like larger than life thing, even when it's not. Yeah. 
and that's kind of that's kind of the, the Tam road that people will talk it can about. often feel very artificial what she's doing like her and Natsupoy yes. last year had a match where you know they were doing you know they had a cage match and they were doing these normal moves but after it they were like staring at each other like oh my god like what am I doing like I'm, I'm really hurting her it's like yeah but you're you're feuding you know like there's no built-in you care about Natsupoy you're not even in the same faction as Natsupoy at least at the time they weren't so they just vaguely yeah, knew each other from, from working together like five so years there was <laughs> it was this weird thing where Tam since Dreamshine has been trying to replicate what Dreamshine was but thankfully one of the things she has done is she embraced the violence that Arisa Hoshiki brought like Tam will stiff the yes. shit out of people she will get stiffed like she learned all of the cool head drops and so if you're willing to like look past some of the more dramatic parts of Tam she's fantastic like her and Julia every time they get in the ring they beat the hell out of each other like legitimately beat the hell out of each other Tam got a big Tam's forehead was the size of most people's muscles the other day because her and Julia yes. beat each other up so bad. Like, Tam is, is so strange in that in the ring, she does a lot of amazing stuff and she's so, like, violent and stiff and it's emotional and it tries to wrap you up in it. But at the same time, she can sometimes try to do stuff that feels really artificial and doesn't work. But ultimately, she's so popular with the live audience that she's always going to be, you know, very highly regarded by stardom for as long as she sticks around. Yeah, yeah, no, 1%. I think that perfectly perfectly encapsulates her. We talked about her for a long time because she's a very... She's the Naito. Yeah. She's she's kind of... She's very important. You know, if if Julia is the main character, Tom is the one who gets a spinoff when they run out of ideas. Like, that's that's her. Um. Number two in Cosmic Angels, I would guess, is Mina Shirakawa right now. And Mina is uh, Mina came from TJPW, and she was one of the original members of Cosmic Angels. And uh, for a while, she was kind of just there. Like it was, it was Tam and Unagi were the main ones of the faction, and Mina was there. Um, and but over time, like Mina, just she she had these weird periods where she'd be amazing. And then she had periods where she would be terrible. Like, there's audio there where we were like, I want, like, I specifically said, I want her to go away. I want her to leave. Like, I want her to leave stardom. She's so bad. And now she's completely reinvented herself as a wrestler and is, is on the fast track to being the next white belt champion. Like, her, her change from just being there in Cosmic Angels to being terrible, to being primed for a leading spot with Club Venus and a big part of Cosmic Angels is is absurd. And uh, we're at the point now where I think she's a great wrestler. I think you would agree she's a great wrestler. She's a really good, like, technical wrestler, but she's never boring. Like, she does limb work, and it's really interesting. And she does these, like, fancy-ass kicks and combos of strikes. And she's got, like, real star power. Um, so she's just somebody who's prepped for a big push as we're speaking now. And, you know, by the time this comes out, she might have won the white belt already. Um, but, yeah, they're going to push her. And it's just been a really, it's been a whirlwind with Mina. A truly bizarre wrestling. Yes, <laughs> very. Um, for, I guess, she's only been in two Grand Prix now. But the both Grand Prix she was in, she did phenomenally. Yeah. 
but the first Grand Prix she was in had before it and after it some of her worst work that you've ever seen. So it was very confusing <laughs> because like she just would what she just wasn't clicking for a while and then she got into the GP had 10 singles matches at least 8 of them were genuinely high quality great work and then she fell off and we, we she's another person who does a bit too much sometimes uh i remember joker mina is oh, a yeah. thing that exists uh where she challenged tam for the white belt at one point and she came out in joker makeup and she did a lot of like heel stuff and then afterwards she got beat and then she's like okay i'm back to normal it's cool and like stuff like that she just throws that in yeah. randomly uh and it's never good but her actual what she produces especially in singles matches especially in you know high stakes singles matches is consistently quite good it's she's a strange wrestler i'm always kind of like reluctant to buy into her fully because for every you know string of great matches she uh just starts spitting on people uh you know like throwing up on them pretend like pretending to throw up on them it was that was what she did with Sai Kamatani a couple weeks ago. It was really weird. For every every string of great matches, something like that happens. And I'm always, like, reluctant to give her all of her flowers. But she is a really good in-ring wrestler. And her character work and her promos when she's just being that babyface who wants to win is, I would say, second to none. Uh, she's she's one of the best. I remember there was a promo last year I after was, she I was gonna got bring her up job promo, broken. Yeah, because... Yeah, you can you can you can you can go yeah. ahead. You loved it a bit I, more than I did, but she definitely has something. For there. every Joker Mina and her spitting black ink on Saya for symbolism, there is a Mina who can cut one of the best promos in recent wrestling history. Like I said it from day one, if Eddie Kingston had cut that promo she did, you nobody would shut up about it. Like it would be up there with his high noon promo. Like easily. Um yeah. like her she with teeth all over the place, blood pouring out of her mouth. Just cut one of the most amazing babyface promos that I've seen in so, so long. Like, it was so raw and so real. And it was just like, I'm a pro wrestler. I have to get back up because this is my dream. Like, my face can be broken, but and it hurts. And I, I'm in a lot of pain. But I'm a pro wrestler and I have to fight through it. Because everybody else has to fight through it. And I was like, this is this is amazing, right? And she can do that. She can easily do that. And it's so, because as you said, like there's there's points where she will just do stuff that you're like, what are you doing? Like, what, what why is the, what's the point? And then she'll turn around and be a generational wrestler. Like it's it's incredible. Um, but she's like well deserved that number two spot in in Cosmic Angels, and um, she's the de facto leader of Club Venus. The thing with Club Venus is I don't think it's ever going to be its own separate faction, but it's a place for all the English speakers to go because Mina speaks very good English. So her and Waka can obviously help the foreign wrestlers by communicating with them, whereas Tam can't. So, you know, Mina's very important to stardom, and so they are going to push her because she is a star. Um, but the Club Venus role is very much more important because they didn't have anybody for that because that's what Hannah did. Um, Hannah spoke English, and that's why a lot of the foreign wrestlers went to Oedo Tai, and then a lot of foreign wrestlers went to Tokyo Cyber Squad so that they could work with Hannah because she she spoke English. And obviously without her, they didn't have anybody on the roster who had fluent English. So 
having yeah. Mina there who can speak the, the language and help the foreigners get settled in is very important to stardom. So she's very important to them on screen and off screen. Yeah, two of the three uh, English speakers in the company currently are in Cosmic Angels. So that's why you will see uh, foreign wrestlers tagging with Mina and tagging with Waka more than anybody else, because those are the two other than Momokogo who speaks English. Um, yeah. And Tekla, but Tekla's not Japanese. So So the number three in, in Cosmic Angels, who originally seemed like she would be number two and potentially the new leader, uh, but isn't, is Natsupoi. Um, Natsupo is another one who came from Actress Girls. Uh, she briefly went through TJPW as Natsumi Maki, and she ended up in in Stardom by joining. She also she also wrestled in Stardom as a part of Actress Girls. Like yes, TV. yeah, she's been around a long time. Six years. Um, so she debuted as part of DDM as like their their specifically their high speed wrestler, um, and was part of like their long stretch of dominance. You know, she she won the the artist belts as well, and then last year she turned on DDM after feuding with Tam having a cage match with tam and suddenly it was like actually i really think you're cool so uh, i'm gonna join so her and tam are actually a music duo uh they they release music as meltier their their entrance music is their own song it's called double frontier it's really good um the stardom is trying to get the the, the idol stuff back up and kicking through tam and natsupoi um and their stuff is actually quite good. It I'm is, real. Yeah. yeah. I think I think their music's like surprisingly good. It's really good. Um, so Natsupoi is is one of like at her best. I think she, she's probably my favorite in the company at her best. Like she's fantastic wrestler. You know, last year she had one of the standout matches of the year against uh, Sayakamitani. Um, yeah. she's she's a weird one though because it it feels like every time they're gonna push her, they just suddenly are like, oh no, you're gonna lose. Like her, her and Tam were tag champs and doing the music, and it felt like they were gonna, you know, run the tag division for a while, and then they just lost them, and then Natsupoi started losing, and now Mina's kind of lapped her. So Natsupoi. And Natsupoi hasn't started winning yet. Yeah, like for <laughs> as talented as and charismatic and and like marketable as Natsupoi is, he just seemed very hesitant on ever pulling the trigger. So I guess she's just permanently gonna be like a top three. In a faction but never more yeah as a as a character it's actually really funny because when Natsupoi left ddm she said she left because she didn't want to feel like the pet of the group uh like which you know everybody in ddm was like i don't know what you mean by that we never whatever but she left and then she very clearly became a sidekick yeah. uh, in cosmic angels and i i found that both hilarious and like a shame because she's really good she is but she really quickly became oh well tam can't lose so natsupoi will lose for her um and that's just where we're at now and that's kind of a shame because she is really good she's had some stand-up performances in the past uh she makes sense for cosmic angels but i would say as of now cosmic angels has not been great for her career in terms of up trajectory at all um and yeah that's just kind of where we're at like like you said mina shirakawa was kind of lapped her uh she lost every every match for cosmic angels that wasn't lost by waka has been lost by natsupoi this year um 
that's that's just that's, that's just a crazy statistic, but that's just the truth. Uh, like <laughs> Mina and Tam don't take pins. Waka used to take pins. Natsupoi is the only person that is currently taking pins for the yeah. group. Um, obviously, that'll change once Waka kind of cools down and once you know Mina either wins or loses. Like things will start to progress for Natsupoi. But as of right now, she's the only person who like consistently loses for the group, which is kind of crazy because, like you said, we thought she would be like co-leader with Tam. <laughs> yeah, and she just isn't. Yeah, she's she's in a pretty weird spot. It's uh, it's one of those where the talent may never compare to the push because she's just she's amazing, and like they've they've pushed her to the forefront in marketing and stuff like that, and it's just never followed up with a push in the ring. So. She's also very not smart, and that's not me being mean. Uh, that's just like kind of her rep. She like she had a couple TikToks go viral of her trying to figure out what the letters TLC mean. Oh my god, yeah. Or like like it was TLC, and then there were other ones that's like, oh, what does IWGP stand for? And her just thinking of any English word that she knows yeah. that starts with a W, and she just couldn't. And it like, and that's not that's not making fun of her for being dumb. That's just like she is a very proud airhead and it's quite funny uh so you'll see certain things like her certain clips of her just being the straight hamburger is a oh classic God, yeah um, she yeah like at one point her and mariah were a tag team for like a month and mariah just like got done talking and <laughs> not Spoiler said hamburger and like walked away and mariah's like what the fuck was that <laughs> she's a she's a real strange one but uh it, it, it's nice yeah. it's, it works on screen as well because she's very much just like i'm i'm here i am present i i don't i don't mind it's it's pretty fun um rounding out the like main cosmic angels group then we have waka skiyama uh so waka debuted in september of 2020 in actress girls she did not win a match until like three weeks ago it became yeah. a big storyline in stardom of her search for a win. Like she's not a wrestler that you would have ever considered like would be the most over person in a company. But the storyline fit. Like she's very much that like on the surface visible underdog. Like you look at Waka and you go, You are unremarkable, you don't bring anything, like you're not as pretty as the other girls, all that sort of stuff. And they they made that into the best underdog story this company has ever told. Like she scratched and clawed her way to that first win, so much so that she's probably one of the most popular people in stardom right now. And whether they can keep that going and whether they want to keep that going or not, I don't really know. But for her to just go from losing like two hundred matches in a row or whatever it was to you know, the semifinals of the Cinderella tournament and, you know, constant popularity, like crowds going crazy for her. Like that's that's quite the the transformation there, um, and the only reason she's not in the top three of Cosmic Angels is because we don't really know where she's gonna fall now that she's starting to win. Like she might end up being in the top three. That would be crazy. Her lapping Natsupoi permanently, yeah. crazy. Would. But I mean, Natsupoi has restart that's mm. starting that we haven't talked about. But yeah, I mean, it's it's Waka's a strange case, man. Like she. Now that she's won, there's a lot more that needs to be a part of her game, in my yeah. opinion, uh, that she's going to continue to grow with. But now that she's won, she needs to learn how to win, right? 
uh, and that's not just me thinking her finisher is kind of, ugh, but just like a lot of like, she's going to start adding offense to her game. And because she just kept losing, we haven't seen that in the past two years of her wrestling. So it'll be interesting to see where she slots in as she begins to win and as she begins to like do stuff uh, that isn't just losing every match. Like, I think, I think for the first time, uh, like Natsupoi won a tag team match alongside Waka because now Waka doesn't have to lose mm-hmm. every match. <laughs> which is which is something that's really funny to say, but for a long time, if there was a tag team match and Waka was involved, she had to be involved in the finish, and she had to yeah. lose. Well, now that's just not the case. So not only does that open up Cosmic Angels more, it also opens up Waka to being a more prolific wrestler and allow her to expand her game in other places that wasn't just trying to be a better seller so that she can lose better, which was all she had to focus on for a long time. Yeah. So we will see how she grows over the next six months or so when she... Is capable of winning and losing. Now. Yeah, she's one that'll uh, definitely, I think, outgrow this this uh, recording because we we really there's a lot of questions about Waka. She could she could win the Cinderella. Possibly, you know, yeah. like like it's it's yeah. possible. Um, so there are, as we kind of mentioned, there's two kind of offshoots with Cosmic Angels. Uh, the first one is Club Venus. That's Mina Shirakawa's thing. Um, she like introduces them all. She takes the the microphone off the ring announcer and introduces them, kind of like Paul Heyman. Uh, crowd is into it, very into it. Uh, so the members of Club Venus are obviously Mina Shirakawa. There's Mariah May, who was like the one of the original members. She seems to be. F- she's the consistent. Yeah, she one. seems to be like full on wants Stardom to be her full time gig. Uh, she's quite tall, quite charismatic, quite good in the ring. Like she could definitely have a high ceiling someday if she sticks around. Yeah, 1%. She's great. Um, I think she'll continue to get better. She she only just had her 100 match yeah. like a couple weeks ago. She's really new, but she's really good. Um, there was also Zaya Brookside. She was there for like a month, a month and a half. Uh, she's gone back home. She's moving to America. She has said she'd still like be interested in doing stardom, but I don't know if that's going to happen, uh, but Zaya was very much like the, the easy pin eater for the for the three of them because she had the laced upside. Um, probably the weakest. I, I haven't seen Jesse yet, but probably the weakest. Yeah, of, second of weakest, yeah, I would say. Um, okay. Yeah. Then we had Xena getting added. Xena from Australia. And she is a pretty solid wrestler trained by Robbie Eagles. Uh, she has very little like charisma though, so she's very much like if she just wants to have cool matches and get pinned, that would be pretty pretty solid for her. Yeah, she's she's actually she has some really cool moves. I think her kicks are really good, her chops are really good. But like Alex said, definitely uh, lacking in charisma, lacking in like presence in that way. Yeah. But she does like you know. Her chops sound good and her kicks connect, so that's that's all you really need from someone in Club Venus that probably isn't going to be around full time. Yeah, like we don't know the status of anybody in Club Venus. Like it might just constantly be rotating, but as of now, the five members are kind of the people we're lining out. Uh, the last member and the newest member is former NXT superstar Jesse Alaban, uh, who was in like a Mayon Classic. And I think she went under a few names in, in WWE. Coconut Loop Legend. Yeah, so she debuted on the Sendai Pitch Show. Um, and she's she's very much a WWE product. She's a natural in the ring, very much plays to her character at all times. Knows how to fill the gaps, which I think stands out when she's next to Xena. Because Xena doesn't know how to fill the gaps between the moves. But Jesse mm-hmm. does. Um, but Jesse just isn't the finished product in the ring. 
Uh, they they didn't let her do a lot in the tag that she debuted in, which kind of tells me they aren't sure what she can offer in the ring. Um, but yeah, she's the newest one. There's potential upside there if she sticks around. She could be like the top. She could be like the you know the third member of the big three of the group if that's what they want to do. Um, but yeah, that that is Club Venus. Yeah, um, Club Venus is in a strange one because. At first, Mina being the leader of her own faction sounded really weird. Um, even if she is a great wrestler, it just felt like a, a departure. But as it's grown in the past four months or so, um, at the time of this recording, it feels way more natural. Where it's like, oh, well, members of Cosmic Angels can team with members of Club Venus. It's not like this, uh, you know, Mina's... Tr- it's not Mina, Mina trying to pull a Tam, right? Where Tam just kind of was like, man... Stars doesn't respect me. I'm going to conspire against them while being in their group. Uh, it doesn't feel like Mina's doing that, uh, as of now at least. So, you know, members of Club Venus tag with Waka, they tag with Natsupoy every once in a while. And it all is pretty, like, natural. Uh, and I, I like that for Club Venus. But we don't know where it will go from here. It's possible that they completely separate. And at that point, it'll become a very different group because they won't have Cosmic Angels to work off of. So we'll see how that goes. It's it's all kind of up in the air uh, as of right now, but and everything's still new with Club Venus, so we can't really rush to judgment. But as of now, they are a good you know side portion of the company that doesn't really hurt anything too much. Yeah, and then the other uh, kind of offshoot is Colors. Uh, in a stipulation match last year, there was a the stipulation was oh whoever wins like takes all of the other group's members. And Cosmic Angels won that, so they absorbed Colors. Um, Colors used to be a brand in Actress Girls. So Actress Girls had Beginning and Colors. Um, And when Actress said, hey, we're not going to be wrestling anymore, the Colors crew led by Saki and whoever was left decided to form Colors Girls Pro Wrestling Unit, which was meant to be like produce shows held by Saki, Rinamakura, Yuko Sakurai, and Hikari Shimizu. And so they do hold shows sometimes, but they're generally just like a traveling faction who will go and like wrestle on other people's shows. You book one of them, you book all four of them, kind of that, that kind of deal. Um, so they are, they are technically in, in Cosmic Angels. Uh, Saki is the one that's most likely to pop up. She's a veteran of, of the Joshi scene. She's won lots of titles. Like she was former Actress Girls champion. She's been like tag champion in Pure J. She was trained by Joshi legend Shinobu Kandori um, and, and Takako Inoue. That's crazy. I know, right? Um, I don't think she's good. I don't think she offers much to stardom, but they protect her anyway, and they, they kind of keep her around, so that's Saki. She's, ha- she's had good performances, yeah, she's all right. but on average, you're not going to get too much out of her. I think her versus Sai Kamtani was mm-hmm. quite good. Uh, she had one or two quite pretty good matches in the five star last year but she definitely is just somebody that comes around and needs to be protected for no reason kind of uh and that's the most disrespect i'll give to her because i think she's fine yeah uh, doesn't add too much I think the other three members of colors are really good but they don't show up and start them all that much uh shimizu is great like shimizu should be signed and pushed by somebody as soon as they can. She actually wrestles in Star in the least. Yeah, like she barely wrestles uh, anymore anywhere. I don't I don't really know what her deal is, but she's great. She had a high speed match with Azumi in December. That was really good, even though that's not her typical style. 
Um, and then Yuko Sakurai and Rina Amakura are both really good, like underdog, rookie, you know, fiery baby faces. Uh, Amikura offers a bit more. She's a bit more of a hoss. Uh, I think she's an idol on the side. So she kind of has that bit of star power to her. If somebody was to... One of the more underrated young wrestlers. Oh, definitely, yeah. Like, if somebody was to lock down Amikura, they would they could push her easily. Um, whereas Yuko Sakurai, I don't think she has that charisma, but she's a really solid wrestler who can offer you a lot kind of throughout the card. So, like, if, if I was to use colors, it would be for, you know, Amakura, Sakurai, Shimizu, but Stardom mainly uses Saki, so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, and then the last mainline Stardom faction to talk about is Godzai, and they're the newest one. They formed in March of last year after Shuri defended the World of Stardom title against Julia at Stardom World Climax Day 1. Uh, Julia said that I'm splitting from Donna Del Mondo, and she took Mariah with her. So uh, Mariah was Mariah initially had debuted in DDM, um, but left with Siri to form God's Eye. Uh, they were joined by Ami Sore, who had debuted as Siri's bodyguard. Um, and God's Eye, they're they're the biggest case of this new wave of factions not having any identity because they have nothing. Like they are just Donna Del Mondo, like two. And for a long time, they were just the same yeah. faction. Like they, they were. There was no distinction between God's Eye and Donald Armando. Uh Now I would say there's a bit more, but it's still like I think God's Eye is a bit more positive. I think they're a bit more, uh, you know, good leaning than evil leaning. I think Donald Armando has that kind of stank to it in a way. Um, <laughs> that that evil stank to mm-hmm. it. God's Eye is a bit more, you know, positive, but it it it's always felt kind of similar, right? Shuri, and the thing is, Shuri has close ties to everybody in Donald Armando, and they're all positive, yeah. right? Shuri and Micah are known friends, like they are, they are, they were always very close. Uh, same with her and Himeka. they were very, very close while they were in God's Eye. So obviously, they remain kind of close, but they're just in different factions. Uh, so it's kind of like a weird thing there. Uh, Mariah was brought in by Julia. Like her and her and Sherry had no connection until Mariah was like, you know what? Ah, f- screw Julia. I'm joining God's Eye for no reason. So it, it is a bit strange. God's Eye doesn't have much of an identity, but their underlying weirdness and charm is definitely there. Uh, it's just not seen on shows as often as maybe it should be. Yeah, like they they are the biggest victims of no pre-match promos because anytime they get yes. promo time, it's fantastic, but they never get it. It's hilarious. So because Mariah especially was was amazing at them, and then they just took it away from her. So it's it's not great. Um, but the 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 God's Eye is led by Siri. Uh, it's her group. Uh, the God's Eye is her thing. Um, and she to sum it up, she's the new Io Shirai. Io, when she was in Stardom, was she's our best wrestler even if she's not champion she's the best wrestler she is who we all aspire to be siri is that she is since day one has dominated this company she's barely been without a title for her entire time in the company she went from the artist belts to the tag belts to the swa to the world title um everybody knows her from the five and a half star match with utami but she's had a lot of classics in stardom 
Um, so, you know, she is like the pinnacle of, of the company, essentially. And they treat her as such. Like, nobody really beats Suri. Uh, as you had mentioned earlier, There's... there is one singular wrestler in the entire company that has a winning record against Suri in singles competition. And it is Koguma, who's only wrestled once and got a cheap yeah. roll-up victory. That's it. Everybody else, I think Azumi's the well, Azumi and Saki Kashima, two other people who roll people up, uh, are close. I think they're like two and three. Um, I think Azumi used to be two and two. Like, yeah, it's it's just nobody beats her more than once, basically. And if they do, she beats them three times. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's just how it works. Like they like they recognized when they signed her that they had got one of the best wrestlers in, in women's wrestling and they've run with it. And I, I give full credit to them, to Rossi, for picking her up and, and running with her as he did, because she's she's incredible, you know? So she's one yeah. of the ba- like the backbones of this company, you know? Like her, Julia, and, you know, kind of people like Micah. Without them, stardom post-2020 is a very different picture, but not a good picture. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, I mean, Shuri's just a different beast, right? And and by the way, God's Eye is... Shuri has a lot of, like, finishing moves and just names of moves that kind of uh, are in line with mythology. So, like, she has the white tiger, the... You know, it's, it's all very, uh, you know, the theology-based mythology type stuff. And so they... God's Eye is supposed to be the ones chosen by God to be the greatest wrestlers of all time type of thing, uh, which I think is a very based name, in my opinion. Uh, and just like the vibe definitely has that. Uh, but yeah, Shuri is just a whole nother. She, I mean, her nickname, I don't know if it still is, but for a long time, it was a woman simply on another level. Mm-hmm. Like that that was how it directly translated is a woman on another level because she just always was like a god amongst yeah. women right even when she loses she still She's feels the above yeah it's 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 her and mayu are like doesn't matter if they have a belt or not they're just it's just different mm-hmm. <laughs> this is Shuri's company everybody else just lives in it um exactly beneath Shuri, then as the number two in god's eye we have mirai uh, mirai previously wrestled in tokyo joshi pro as uh, mirai mayumi she looked like a really good prospect there until she left and stardom snapped her up and you can see why. Uh, they pushed her really quickly. She won the Cinderella yes. a couple of months after debuting. It was quite controversial at the time, but I think they've been proven right because she's one of the most consistent wrestlers Stardom has. Like if it's it's a matter of when with Mariah, like when they decide to give her everything, because they will give her everything, and she's gonna have one of the best title runs in the company. And it's just a case of when it's going to happen. Because she's got that charisma. She's got the clap thing over where she, you know, she claps in, in rhythm to her name and the crowd chants Mirai along to it. Um, and yeah, like, as I said, she's an excellent wrestler. Like her and Suzu Suzuki deliver magic every time. Her and Saeeda deliver magic. Her One of her first matches in stardom was an amazing title match with Suri. She's, she's going to be an elite wrestler for them one day. Yeah, I mean, I, if she's not already, like, I think she's, she has a consistency that's unlike anybody else. And it, it took a second, because I think for a while, uh, she didn't, she had to find her mm-hmm. groove, right, in the company, because in TJPW, she was a standout, 
because she was the thing about TJPW, and this isn't a, a get to know TJPW thing, but the thing about TJPW is that it a lot of their roster has a similar vibe, and the people that don't stand out and they shine crazy, right? So I think that's Mirai and Miya Mashta. Mirai leaves and she comes to stardom where she doesn't necessarily stand out as much because she isn't the only tall person. She isn't the only powerhouse. You know, she's there's a lot of them in this company. And so it took her a while to kind of figure out, okay, how can I do this better than anybody else? Like, do what I'm doing. And she figured it out uh, sometime last year, had an incredible five-star, and she's just been delivering nonstop for like a year now, you know, like or maybe nine months now. And she just is not, you cannot ignore Mirai in any way she's she is always at the center of of the world in stardom and for good reason she's really good. she is and then the third member of uh the third permanent member of god's eye is ami sore uh she as we mentioned debuted as shuri's bodyguard uh she is the future of stardom champion she debuted in 2020 and is still kind of like getting there um the 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 foundations are there for a good hoss wrestler She's never going to be a star. Like I don't think she has charisma, the the charisma for that. But she's very much a very reliable part of the roster. Who, um, if she keeps improving, will certainly be an asset to them. But right now, I think she's a very clear weak spot in an excellent DDM. Like the the drop off from Siri and Mirai to Ami Sore is is kind of big. <laughs> she isn't anything against Ami. Called God's Eye DDM. Oh, sorry. <laughs> See, same faction. Crazy. Same faction. See, this is this is what I mean. Um, same faction. Same but like faction. the drop off is huge, and not because Ami is bad, but because they are excellent and she is pretty solid. Yeah. So that's just that's poor. Ami. She was she was once she was once criticized for being a tree because mm. she wears green and doesn't have a ton of personality. Uh, she also has an imposing presence but she's she's quite good i think she delivers when she needs to uh she doesn't drag them down but uh i think her future matches have kind of shown that she doesn't have a ton of singles potential uh to the level that some of her peers do and especially to the level that her faction mates do so yeah like ami isn't bad she's pretty solid but there's a lot to live up to there um, now God's Eye has some part-time members. Um, one is one is Three. Konami. So Konami left uh, to go on hiatus because she was dealing with like, like gastroenteritis and stuff like that. So when she left, she was in a way to tie. But when she came back, because her and Siri go back a long way. When uh, Kana or Asuka left for WWE, she left Konami basically on her own because Konami was her her sole trainee so siri really took up the reins for for konami and like i think brought her into companies that that siri was wrestling in like reina i think was the main one so she like owes siri a lot and so when she came back and you know she's not a full-time wrestler she makes sporadic appearances although they are getting more sporadic so who knows um but when she comes back she's with god's eye uh konami's pretty heavily protected she was always kind of top two, top three in a faction um, after moving to TCS. Like when, with Tokyo Cyber Squad, there was clearly an upward trajectory with her. Uh, she kind of was forced to turn heel when TCS had to go away. But she was still a top three member of, of a Waitotai. And now, even now, she's protected because they still do see something in Konami, but she just isn't able to be around all the time to, to make it up. 
Yeah, she uh for a long time was one of the best technical wrestlers in the company. Uh obviously Shuri, you know, rendered that obsolete <laughs> to some degree, but she still comes in and, and really shines when she does. I think her place in God's eye is a lot better than her place in uh Oedo Tai because she's allowed to just be that technician and not have to do stuff that if you're in a way to tie, you kind of have to do, mm-hmm. right? You have to, you have to be, you have to go on the side of heelish stuff in God's eye. That's one great thing about them. Not really having much personality defined is that you can just be the wrestler you are and not conform to any certain aspect of it. And another thing is that God's eye just is the home of good wrestlers. Like that's what it's supposed to be. Uh, like technically sound, fundamentally sound wrestlers. So Konami really shines when she is around with God's Eye. And yeah, I hope she comes around more often. She has been recently, but she is, you know, she's probably never going to get much championship matches type of thing. Uh, I think people kind of want her to challenge Julia just to have one more red belt challenge just because that would be a good match. But she she doesn't have a ton of, you know, uh, upward trajectory, as I like to yeah. say. Yeah. Because she just isn't around enough. Yeah, she's she's very she's too sporadic to really get much of a run. Um, rounding out God's Eye, though, we have Tomoka Inaba and Nanami. Uh, so Tomoka Inaba is the queen of JTO champion. Uh, she was trained by Takamishinoku and, and just tap out. She debuted around the same time as Micah, but it took her a little longer to really find her footing. Um, she's yeah. a fantastic wrestler to, in my eyes. I think she's got a really cool aura. She's a really good striker. Uh, she's pretty decent at technical stuff. Like, it, there's a lot of upside with Tomoka Inaba, and I've been a, a big fan of hers for a long time, as as most people know. Um, so, you know, her learning under Shiri is probably the best thing for her. Um, but it, it's kind of a wait for her because, she, you know, as Queen of JTO Champion, not only can she rarely lose, but she isn't around a lot for stardom. So it's a case of waiting with, with Tomoka Inaba. I think Tomoka Inaba could one day be a top three member of God's Eye, but it's just a, a kind of case of, yeah. okay, when is she going to come along? So it's kind of the waiting game. In, Inaba, as a as a member of uh, JTO, has a ingrained rivalry slash, slash sistership with Micah um, because they both, like, like Alex said, train together and... You know, they're both Takamichinoku disciples before anything else. Um, similar with Mirai, but Mirai, obviously she trained with Takamichinoku initially, but then she left to go to TJPW and trained there. Uh, but so one, one thing about this roster is a lot of the best wrestlers are Takamichinoku trained because he's a great she's, he's a great trainer. Um, but yeah, so Micah and Inaba have an ingrained rivalry slash bond uh, that they kind of play off every once in a while. But yeah, she's great. She is consistently a highlight of New Blood, where she primarily shows up uh, for Stardom, and she just is she's really good. Like I think that's that's the beginning of the end of it. Every time she's in Stardom, it's a treat. Uh, her and Shuri had a great tag team in Tag League last year, Karate Brave, and yeah, I hope she shows up more and more as time goes on. Yes, and the final member of the group then is Nanami. Uh, she is currently wrestling for Diana. Uh, she's pretty young. She's she's got like a very solid base to be a good wrestler. Um, I don't know if she has the. I think she might have the, the Amisori issue, where she just doesn't have that star power of the other members, so she's never gonna get too high. Uh, but she's a pretty solid wrestler to add to the group. But 
much like Tomoka Inaba, she isn't around a lot because she's, she's contracted to another company. So it's kind of just a waiting game with her as well. Yeah, she's a good hand. Uh, not, I mean, especially for being a teenager yeah. still. Uh, she's she's a good hand. Not not much to talk about because she hasn't been in the company much. And when she has been, she's pretty much the, the you know, background character. I think her and Amisore had a good tag match against Mirai and Inaba recently. And Nanami showed out there. But otherwise, you know, uh, it's kind of a blink and you miss it with her when it comes to great performances in stardom because she doesn't wrestle in stardom much. When she does, she's usually the pin eater. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but that's God's Eye. And that's the last, like, mainline faction in stardom. Um, so, you know, the, that's kind of the core lineup of people. If you're watching stardom regularly, those are the people you're going to see. Now, there are some part-time factions in stardom. Probably not going to take too long on them because some of them are less important than others and you'll kind of get the gist because they are part-timers. They kind of only do important stuff. So the first of the part-time factions is Rebel Enemy. So this is a group that started life, I believe, in Ice Ribbon. Um, but recently with the with Chairman Ram appearing in Stardom, Micah Ozaki coming over, and Mayu Kihi getting the big match with Julia... They've started to appear in stardom as a trio. Um, there's no idea of what they're going to do going forward. I, I imagine Chairman Ram will still be on showcase events, although they haven't announced the next one. Um, but I mean, she's she's on the show like tomorrow, like Chairman oh, Ram. Uh, well, that's great. <laughs> All right. Like, um, or no, it's her and it? Unimon. Oh, that, that's yes, what I was talking yeah. about earlier with Unimon, just tagging with random people. Uh, she's teaming with Ram this week. So yeah, Ram is Ram is the most consistent of mm-hmm. the three members, but. She just do be around. Um, but yeah, there, there's no yes. idea what that faction is going to do. It's it's primarily the Mayuki show. She's a pretty big star, very charismatic, great wrestler. Um, was essentially top champion of Ice Ribbon for like two years straight, other than a, a period where it was vacant for about a month. So she's a big deal. And anytime she shows up will be cool, but we have no idea if she's going to show up going forward. Um, the other important part-time faction is 7-Up. They started life as the Neo Stardom Army, like a failed angle from Stardom and Showcase. Uh, The members are Yuna Mizumori, technically, um, Yu of Pro Wrestling Eve, and Nanai Takahashi, a uh, former World of Stardom champion, former, uh, you know, 3WA champion in in All Japan Women's Pro Wrestling. And uh, they're a pretty, pretty big part of stardom right now because uh, 7-Up with two Ps, which is Nanai and Yu, are the tag team champions. And uh, they've, been, they've been on a crazy run for the last like nine months since basically coming into the company. They've been one of the best tag teams in stardom history. And they're pretty awesome. 7-Up uh, with three Ps, which is when Yuna is involved, have had some really fun trios matches and could be artist champions down the line if they want to. Um, but yeah, they're they're a part-time group because obviously you can't get you. She's she's too like she's a pretty big freelancer. She's never gonna sign. And Nanai, uh, she's kind of a, too old, I guess, to be doing the full-time schedule. She's winding. Yeah, down. like she's you know yeah. she's better off kind of jumping in and out. But uh, yeah, seven up are pretty cool. Um, and the last one. Uh, wait, I don't. Do I not get to talk about? No, them? we are approaching three hours. No more talking. <laughs> um, all I was going to say was you is one of those wrestlers that you want to see in Starm as much as possible because she is consistently great. 
uh, when she's in stardom. She gave Aphrodite one of their best matches, uh, which is Aphrodite's Utami and uh, Sayakamitani, one of their best tag team matches in a while in the tag league final last year. And Yu is just an incredible performer who can, you know, go. She can she can live up to anybody else on the roster pretty much. She's really really good. Uh, the final part-time faction that shows up is Prominence. Um, so Prominence is a crew of um, wrestlers who left Ice Ribbon towards the tail end of 2020. Uh, they went on to form, well, Prominence. It's a company. It is... Wasn't it 2021? Um, maybe. May, Might have been 2021, yeah. It was 2021. So, but they formed uh, essentially a breakaway deathmatch promotion. Yes, they are women who do deathmatches. They run shows that are entirely deathmatches. And uh, the, they have also been like a traveling group for uh, Joshi Promotions, the book. They show up and wave a lot. They briefly feuded with Sendai Girls. They've been in, well, under uh, under gimmicks, they've been in Real Japan Pro Wrestling um, as, as, as different names. Um, but obviously, they've also been in stardom. And the, the key, I think, to prominence is obviously Suzu Suzuki, right? Yes. Um, Suzu, since essentially debuting, has been seen as a prodigy. She, within two years, was Ice X Infinity Champion. Like she won the top title in Ice Ribbon within two years. So she, uh, like, Stardom really, really likes her, and they really want her. She's closed multiple shows, she, which is not normal no, for outsiders. She pinned Utami Hajishta. Like a week ago, like she, like yeah. what is the? I cannot remember the last time I saw Utami get pinned. Like it was what maybe Mayu, probably the five. Was it one. Mayu in the tournament? Oh no, yeah, it'd be Mayu. It'd be Mayu uh, in November, yeah. early November, and then before that was the five star. She's uh, the first person to pin Utami in four months. Even Kyrie didn't get to beat Utami. So, like Suzu yeah. is somebody they really want to sign. Because she's somebody who could be a, a legitimate main event draw in the future. Um, but, you know, with prominence, she obviously isn't interested yet because she's happy to, you know, she's a bit of a deathmatch freak. Like her and Risa Sarah are mad into deathmatches. She's getting to do deathmatches with like Jun Kasai at Corkin. So she's probably going to do that over, you know, signing full time with Stardom. But Stardom really wants Suzu. Um, in addition to Suzu, Suzu, you have Risa Sarah. She's a veteran who can be great on her day, but is very much like, you know, she, she's, she's into her prominent stuff, but I don't think she's as into it when she's working elsewhere. So she kind of phones it in sometimes, but she can be great on her day. Yeah, Risa's technically the leader, mm. um, but she's not the most protected. Well, compared to Suzu, uh, she's probably not, you know, they, they kind of co-lead it, but Risa's the figurehead of it. Um, in Stardom, it's clearly yeah. Suzu, though. And, yeah, they, they both are quite good. Um, yeah. Uh, then the other main member who shows up is Kurumi Hiragi. Um, she's great. Like, she's a, a real, um, could be, like, a legitimate top name in a company because she's just so good in the ring. And she's got a really interesting look and kind of vibe to her that if, if you wanted to make her like a monstrous presence, I think it would work really well in the upper card. Um, but even if not, she's a great wrestler to have. Like if she's the weak link in their Artists of Stardom Championship team, that is a, an incredible weak link. 
Now, in my eyes... It's the strongest weakling. Yeah, man. like, in my eyes, I think she's better than Risa Sarah, but she's obviously... She's not going to get... On most yeah, days. Yeah, like, she's not going to get, uh, you know, booking power over Risa Sarah, because she's, you know, not uh, as... I think, I think she's young. Like, she's really young, Karumi. Like, she started young as well, so she's still super young, whereas Risa Sarah is obviously a veteran and older. So that kind of carries a bit more weight than Karumi. But Karumi is a fantastic wrestler. Um, oh, wow. She's been, she's been wrestling since she yeah, was 10. Yeah, like, she's been around a long time. Um, the other two members of prominence that they don't really show up at all, it's Mochi Natsumi and Karumi or Akane Fujita. Akane yeah, Fujita. and they're, they're both solid wrestlers. I like Akane on her day, but she's, you know, they're not they're nothing special, and neither of them really shows up all that much. So, main prominence... Those are two, if you if you'll mostly see... You won't even see them in Wave a lot. Yeah. You'll, you'll mostly see them at prominence mm-hmm. shows, specifically, uh, if you seek them out. Yeah, but, the, yeah. The, the main prominence members for Stardom are uh, Suzuzuki, Risa Sara, and uh, Kurumi Hiragi. Um... But I think that's all of the factions. Um, I know you mentioned restart earlier, but we have no idea what their status is. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, the the two recent uh, kind of show ups of of big wrestlers are um, Mei Sara, which used to be Mei Hoshizuki, and uh, Soriano, who used to be in Ice Ribbon, and she's you know former Oz Academy star. You know a lot, a lot of big stuff those two aren't defined to aren't confined to factions yet but if they stick around which it sounds like they both will will become big players in their respective divisions may uh may is a very good high speed wrestler soriano is probably going to be a main eventer around here so you know those two are two to look out for but they could just be showing up for yokohama and never coming back again for as as far as we know yeah so, i mean i see. doubt it with may but Anu is, is completely up in the air for sure. Um, yeah. But that is the last part of our beginner's guide to stardom. Uh, I think this might be almost five hours of audio altogether because this this is three. This is almost a three hours. So um, if you've stuck with us, thanks. Um, I hope you've been able to learn from this and, and really kind of get a feel for what stardom is. Um, you know, sadly, these kind of things will be out of date within two months because things just happen so quickly in stardom. But I think this... I mean, there are, there are rumors that Cosmic Angels is going to break <laughs> up. We spent like yeah. a half hour, 45 minutes on them. Like, there, there's <laughs> no good time to do a beginner's guide. But, you know, I think we can give, we've given you a great, like, backbone to, like, understand the company and, and the key players involved. And if there's anything that you still need to know, I mean, you can find us. Uh, there is a Discord for the Five Star Network. I don't know where to find it or how to link to it, but you you can find it. I mean, I, people people will DM me on Twitter and ask for it. You could just yeah, like, you can ask Dylan. Uh, I, I, I'm really. anti-social, so don't yeah. ask me. Um, but uh, yeah, if you've stuck with us, thank you. If you're on the YouTube, this is probably going to get cut out, so I don't know why I'm talking to you, but. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us and uh, listen to Stardom Quest every week. We keep you up to date with everything. Uh, we're usually not as talkative there. It's usually a lot more back and forth, but obviously this time we're trying to get information out there to the masses. Um, but yeah, st- yeah, you get to hear my humor a lot more. Yes, on Stardom yeah. Quest, which is for better. He, he reined himself in here. He has some takes. It's uh, it's it's extreme. But um, yeah, with that, thank you. I hope you enjoyed. Arrivederci. Matane.